PC fans are eating good. The multiverse comes to gaming. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square at PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, your other host, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 176. That is correct. If you are new to the show, stick around to the end where you can find out where you can find us on social media to be part of things like the community's take, which we'll be getting into here in a little bit, as well as just finding things that we post and where you can find, listen, watch, whatever it is that you want to do to the show. But starting this thing off right... Saul, have you played anything this week? Yeah, I played a little bit of Destiny 2, not too much, like Friday and Saturday night, I think like Thursday or Wednesday or something like that, um, and I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I've gotten to the part now like where I'll just... Okay, Which I'll be, act are you in? I'll be kind of vague. I'm still in Act 1, okay. but um, I did all of Sensei... Ishikawa's stuff that I could do, I think. Like I swear it said four out of nine, but now he's not on my map. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I did that. I did. I've done up to that. Now I'm doing straw man stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm still kind of taking that game at a very slow, slow pace. I said it last week, but I think like I'm kind of devolving into a patient gamer in a sense of like I feel like there's no need for me to like prove myself to anybody or like be in a rush to beat games as they come out. Um, so I'm just starting to take my time with stuff. And I was thinking about this, uh, today, actually, like I was like, I'm gonna play some ghost. And I was, as I was playing it, I ghost is weird. Cause I'm really enjoying it, but it's not a game that I'm motivated to play. I think that that may change for you once you get in act two. Okay. Me and Brennan were actually talking about that. It, he's not an act. He's not, he hasn't even, he's not even as far as I am. And he's just like, he told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I love the game when I'm playing it, but it, I never feel like playing it. He's like, when I play it though, it's like, yeah, this is good. And that's kind of how I am. It's like, I guess I'll play ghost. Now it's not something typically when I'm enamored with a game, I'll wake up. And then let's say if it's my weekend off, I'll like wake up and I'll be like, I'm going to go play that. Yeah. But ghost doesn't really pull me that way. But it pulls me while I'm playing, which I guess is all that matters. Well, think about like with the forest, right? When we were playing, and you remember I was already playing ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. And the forest, because of how quickly it's able to pull you in and get to that point, I'm like, I just want to play to see what else is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Tsushima, as much as I was the same way, I'd play, I'd be like, oh, this is really good. Then I'd quit playing it, and then I would get this urge to, I'm going to play the forest. And if you notice, I mean, normally I beat new games fairly quickly, not because I feel like I owe it to anybody. And I'm not, you know, not that you were saying that, but everybody plays for their own reasons. And I do think some people play even quicker to feel like they're on top of, you know, the, uh, the zeitgeist of the moment of like, Hey, it can't be ruined for me. Cause I've already done it. And there is some benefit to that in gaming. There is, but there's also a lot of bad things about that because you don't give yourself enough room to kind of really take it in the experience. Sometimes I actually thought about that. Like I actually thought about, like I got the last of a sport for me, not knowing I got God of war sport for me. Like there was, I saw the final, like I was scrolling through YouTube. And I, I remember. Was, yeah. And I yeah. saw the, the final, one of the final bosses in a thumbnail and I'm like, what is that I'm looking at? Nope, scroll path. Keep on scrolling. And I, like, I wouldn't, I tried to forget it. And obviously it didn't. And But at the same time, it's like, that's not, that was kind of something that I very quickly glanced at and then rolled past. But it's one of those things that's, the further you get away, the more it's now become common in culture to put just spoilers everywhere. And it's weird, because like God of War, I remember, and I know I've said it on the show before, 
But even outside of that, right? If you didn't play that game in the first week or two, realistically first week, it was really, really hard to live life and not see a screenshot that gave away what I think is one of the absolutely most powerful moments of the whole I, game. I didn't have that split for me, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, I couldn't believe it. The first time I saw someone share a screenshot of it, I said, why would you do that? Did you get that split for you? No, that? Okay. thankfully. I got it. I saw it in a screenshot about an hour worth of gameplay after I had gotten it. Yeah. And I said, oh, I can't believe that that almost got ruined for me. And what kills me is that like on YouTube, this is in within one week of it coming out but on youtube and i don't have um i don't watch a whole lot of gaming stuff on youtube at all like i, I kind of stick to either podcast hobby style videos stuff like that like it's very rare for me to watch a gamer so like your recommendations um, it's very odd that it even showed up yeah well yeah it's very kind of it's and i think it only showed up for me for that because i was showing any a trailer and then that put me into my recommendations yep. <laughs> but um I get like a lot of music stuff, so I don't get a lot of gaming stuff in there. But I do remember around that same time, within a week of it coming out, it was a, t- a video like Twitch uh, Twitch streamers reacting to, and then the spoiler we're talking about. And I'm like, you not only have it in your thumbnail as a very very easy to see spoiler, but then you have the exact title of what you're they're spoiling in the title of the video. Oh, it's amazing! And it's like within a, within that first week, and so. I don't know, like, why. That's the big thing. crux of The Last of Us. There's that, uh, what is it, Game Reacts, Gamer Reacts, something like that. It's a channel. Gamer Ranks? Some, it's not Gamer Ranks. It's like Gamers oh. React or Gamer Reacts yeah. something. And I was scrolling through the other day, and again, it's crazy. If you watch one gaming thing on YouTube, the algorithm's like, we want you want to see 80 million gaming things? Okay. Dude, it's hyperactive. <laughs> it's bad. No, it's like that on anything, though. It's like, you watched a video of a cat? We're going to give you 30 yeah. videos of a cat and see if you click on any of them. And after about three days, if you've not clicked on any of them, we'll go back to what you had. No, I just, when that happens to me and it becomes hyperactive in my feed, I just go through and hit don't recommend channel or not interested. Oh, I yeah. wish, I wish YouTube had a block. Like I, I am sick of seeing like, honestly, if I get a trending, there's, there's 1% of the time there's something in trending I want to see over a month, oh. over the entirety of a month. There is 1% one, 1% of each day. There's something I may be interested in. Other than that, it's just music videos, kids crap, and all kinds of stuff I don't care about. <laughs> I, I wish I could tailor the trending for me. And yeah. I can I can go through every day and block all these creators out I don't care about or or, or hit do not recommend channel. And then eventually I'll tailor my – through an algorithm, I'll tailor my feed for me. Yeah, Because it'll think, only show me stuff I think that there I should see. be two um, – what are they, trending things? I think you should have trending for what it thinks you would actually like. And then I think it should have trending for what's biggest on YouTube. And that way, if you just want to completely hide the trending on YouTube tab, you can do so while still getting something that's actually catered for you. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and what's, uh, what's really bad about YouTube now is – if you and I think it's because Google Play is coming to an end by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you if you at any given point in time watch a um, watch music or music videos on YouTube, which I do, if I go to this, there will be a uh, I guarantee you I'll see it here within just a couple of seconds of scrolling. There will be a playlist of music, and I can't like right here, and I can hit nope 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 not play but i can hit not interested but it'll still be there again <laughs> like I, I if i refresh this feed it'll still be here i hate it and i think that's because of what's going on with youtube and music stuff starting yeah um, but back on the topic yeah going back to that the gamer react thing had and i looked at the date of the video and it was pretty close considering the game's not that old of you know the big pivotal starting scene of the last of us 2 
Yeah. And again, that's my first thought was it too. I think it's looking at it from a more traditional spec where I don't like being spoiled. I think that there really is a group out there that doesn't mind being spoiled at all and lives under this thing of being spoiled gives them that much more drive to potentially play the game themselves. So I don't really get it. Me and Seth had a conversation about this because he has a buddy. And to me, I think that if you're spoiled, there's parts of that that are ruined but that you can still find hope in or you can still redeem those parts or whatever. So like it's a, it's, it's a crappy feeling to be spoiled and you could then now feel no motivation to play it or anything like that. But I feel like that even in the gameplay, it's possible that you can get some of that feeling back. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like spoilers for media. I don't care about that. I wasn't going to care about in the first place. Like um, Star Wars, by the third Star Wars movie, when I found out you can literally go through and read all the leaks online, I was like, let me go ahead and do this. Because it's like, I at that point, I did not care about uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, sure. Um, so I went ahead and re- went through and read through them. But at the same time, like you could, I still like the movie. Seth's friend is like, I can go through and read all the spoilers and not ever watch it and still, still be able to... Uh, to fully contextualize everything in a conversation. I'm like, that's not always the case. Yeah. It is with like very shallow yeah. media or like very straight to the point. Like I knew about the, how I met your mother ending before Seth did. And I didn't tell him that, but I, I, I just remember thinking like, that's like, even as a fan see, or not a fan of that show, but seeing other fans freak out about this ending, I can see that it's not the best ending that people wanted. And, yeah. It's very divisive. Yeah. But, and it, but that's a very shallow thing. I can, I don't have to have context of the eight seasons or whatever X amount of seasons prior to that to understand that's not a good move. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you can't do that with everything back on though. to what I was saying with ghosts is that when I woke up this morning and I, I didn't have any motivation to play it, but I played it anyways. Um, I've decided I was going to not buy mortal shell. until I got done with ghosts. Cause I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want something to distract me from Ghost, but I realize I'm not enamored with Ghost for something to even distract me like that. Yeah. I think that Ghost, I will be playing at its own pace on and off. So Mortal Shell should be fine. Like, even if I take 30 hours to play Mortal Shell or however long it takes to beat it, I could go back to Ghost and be like, oh, yeah. I'll, like, it's very digestible for what I'm in right now in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think your big moment that will start pulling you into being like, what does happen next? Like I said, I think all that crux happens. At the when you move into chapter or move into Act Two, I have a theory about what's going to happen <laughs> and what moves you into Chapter Two. I would be interested to two. hear it, but we'll do that off show. Yeah, so, let me just ask you this: How long until I hit Act Two? I don't think you're that far. Uh, you said you're doing the strawman stuff. Do you mean the straw hat? Straw hat. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know you're I not. You're not too far, depending on the order in which you've done it. Actually. Really, well, uh, it's, it's up to you on how you do it. But yeah, you're not far. All, I've, I've done like two storylines of Adachis. Yeah. And that's all of hers. And you don't even have to do those. Those are just, they're what I like. It's side content that you can go do, but the game only forces you to meet up with her just because of her role in the story. Is it the same for Ishikawa? Yeah. Because uh, the Straw Hats are required, aren't they? Because they're gold. Okay, because it says Jin's Tail, and then it will say Side Tail or something like that. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um. Never mind, my theory might not be accurate then. But what have you been playing? Well, you mentioned um, Mortal Shell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I actually did, I've been on vacation all week, which I know I didn't tell you was happening. Yeah, uh, Andrew, like on Tuesday, was like, 
I haven't seen Brett. Is he on vacation? I'm like, no, he's probably on calls or on, on trips. I'm like, I haven't, he didn't tell me he was taking a vacation. He normally does. Nope, I was on vacation. <laughs> is it one of those spur of the moment Sunday night things? Like, I'm just going to text my boss. No. Uh, Friday at work when I got to work, I've been thinking about it for a few weeks of like, when's a good time to do it? And I made sure with everybody else that no one else was going to be off. And then I was kind of like, you know, as long as it's – and that it wouldn't affect anybody too crazy. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, everybody's good. I'm going to go ahead and take a week while I have a pretty decent window between my customers and what I need to do with them. So that's how I kind of took it. And I spent all Friday setting everything up to where even without me there, I could do a minimal email check from home and be fine. Uh, Which is kind of crap because I'm checking my email and communicating with customers while I'm on vacation. I should be paid for those time for that time, but well, yeah, too hard of an argument to make. <laughs> Some, something I love about this new job is that it's not retail. If I don't take a vacation during the week of Christmas or like Thanksgiving, they don't care. Yep, not it's at all. It's kind of like okay, well, you know, take your vacation. So I think this year I'm going to pull what Andrew did last year, and I think for the week of since since those are short weeks, especially on. Um, Thanksgiving week because we're going to get Thursday and Friday off as a three day week. I'm going to take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. Yeah. And then on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day falls on Friday. Yep. Last year we got Christmas Eve and Christmas off. I, it's another three day work week. I may just take six days and then put them on those two weeks. Yeah. And have the whole week off that way. And then I could either buy back my vacation time or just take like a Monday, Friday off every now and then, yeah. or just take a week off, like, Oh, just a random week. Like, Oh, it's, it's kind of nice. It's going to be extra cold that week. I'm going to use that as an excuse to take off or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so with that, I ended up downloading a couple of things and trying out a couple of things. Something that interested me because I've not played the genre since I was young. Uh, but I used to love brick breakers whenever I was younger. Yeah. So I decided to give uh Collins game, the, uh, twin breaker, that he did. Uh, I decided to give it a try and I really like it. Actually it's fun, but it's also really challenging because of the few things that I personally have never seen in a brick breaker. Plus having a story that was actually mildly interesting and just enough to kind of pull you along. So that was a interesting experience and I'm kind of, I, I beat it and was kind of working through potentially platinuming it, but it's kind of challenging uh, because one of the big major mechanic and I think why it's called twin breaker is like you control two different sticks from the beginning of the game. You control two different, you know, bars with each analog stick and the screen's kind of split in half and you can only have so much coverage, but then halfway into the game, it does the same thing on the sides so that the left analog stick controls this side one and the Mm. bottom one. And you have to move up and down and sometimes bring them together at like an apex. And then the other sides like that as well. And that I kept thinking it was going to click with me and it did a little bit more enough for me to beat the game. But it was really challenging to me. And that's where I'm at right now on uh, getting at least an A rank on every level to get a trophy for Platinum. And I'm not sure I can do it. <laughs> Is Rezogun a brick breaker? I don't think I'd consider Rezogun. I think it's just a, you know, a shmup. I guess so, but yeah. Like a, I don't know. That's a really good question. I doubt it is because really a brick breaker is like having a ball that bounces around and continue, yeah. continue going. Uh, there's a lot of interesting much, power-ups in this game, too, that I really liked. But. I know how much Colin loved Rezogun. So yeah. it's one of those things I'm like, I wonder. Well, you know, he has a he. I think he bought out 100% interest shares of uh, Lily Mo, the, games, the, the, the guy who made the game. Oh. So he clearly has interest in making more games. Good. We will see more. But I think as just a first game, it was really cool, and it has a lot of good stuff going for it. Uh, but from there, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I tried the Tony Hawk Pro Skater demo because as I, I started watching people play it, I had this feeling where as much as I love the game as a kid and I've played it a few times, 
I had a feeling that I really didn't know if the game was going to pull from me that much outside of 100% nostalgia. And so I decided to play it. And at least that first thing, I think skate has ruined Tony Hawk for me. I see. I can separate those. So it's like, hard for I, me. I, I can do yeah. it pretty easily, but I, like, cause you had to pre the game to download it. I didn't um, thankfully, but well, I game share with somebody at the moment and that worked out. <laughs> see. So like what I'm going to do is that since, since and this is my thought all along is that since you don't download the game, you only download the demo. You can refund. I'm going to refund it uh, just to play the demo. And the demo was really good. Like it was one of those things that like, I haven't played a Tony Hawk game since the GameCube days or PS2 games mm-hmm. days, but I literally did can do everything. Like I used to be able to. Yeah. I, I knew all the tricks. I knew exactly how to grind, how to manual everything. Yeah. It wasn't that it was that doing it. The best way I was kind of describing it on discord when I went to do it. Right. The game looks beautiful. Yeah. The game Looks like you remember it, but better. Yeah, and sounds beautiful. Basically how it goes. Uh, And it feels like the game should. Yeah. So here's where the the issue creeps up for me. I think it's that, essentially, the way that some people talk about Teslas, right? I've heard Joe Rogan, but a bunch of other people talk about it in the sense of, like, once you drive a Tesla, it kind of makes traditional cars just seem stupid. Where it's kind of like, oh yeah, those are dumb. Why, why did like you know? Why don't we just do this moving forward? And I know this is this is still specific to me, but I remember that the last Tony Hawk game I really played was Project Eight, and that one had cool mechanics that were a little bit more real skateboardy, but still Ugh. tied up in arcadiness. But Skate, and I haven't played a Tony Hawk game since Skate. Realistically, besides Pro Skater Two multiplayer with some friends back and forth on PS One or my PS one disc that I still have for Tony Hawk's pro skater too. But I think what happened is like when I remember as a skater and what feels natural to me when skate first came out and they introduced that whole flicking system, mm-hmm. it kind of just hits that point where in my brain, the whole time I was playing it, I never really did bad. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing just fine at this, but it feels so dumb to jump on a skateboard by tapping a button when it feels so much more intuitive and natural and responsive yeah. to just flick a stick. I like, and it feels that way for everything else. I know that, you know, skate Tony Hawk has kind of it where it's like, Oh, you hit square, but depending on which way you have your analog stick angle depends on if it's a kick flip or a heel, heel flip. flip. Yeah. But it's like, why would I not just do that here where I'm swinging it the way I, I need to do? So that's what it was for me is I don't know that I care enough to do that when I can just go play skate three on, on Xbox or skate, even a skate one on PS3 that I have. Here's here's how you go into it from now on. You look at it like Forza. Tony Hawk is, 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 um, arcade and skate is simulation. <laughs> here's the problem, right? Forza horizon has moved more into drive clubs, arcade simulation territory while Forza is still just simulation. And the thing is, is Tony Hawk is still too arcadey to me to be able to bridge that gap that way. Yeah, Cause like I, I never so. cared for Forza horizon until Forza horizon four, which does way more much like need for speed does. It does way more to give you more simulation control, it but still being arcade. Beautiful game. Yeah. So either way, I'm not hating on it. I think that for what people wanted, it's great. I just don't think outside of, I think Chris ended up liking it. So I'll have the ability to play it. And if I have that ability to play it for free, I will give it more of a try than just a demo. Yeah. Like, uh, by the end of it, I'm like, this is really cool. And I really want to take this nostalgia trick, but it's not worth $40. Now I'll tell you which one for me. Cause I still have an Nintendo 64. <laughs> so you could play it on there. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think where I would come back in because it's a little more open and I think that would be enough to get rid of the other constraints. I think I would be more likely to be very hyped about a remake of thug. 
Underground, yeah. Yeah. Because Thug had more of a story, and it gives you something else to pull you. There's nothing like the hate for Eric Sparrow to drive you through. What was it called? Was it the McFlip? The qu- Kickflip McTwist over the helicopter. Over the helicopter. That's what it was. The Kickflip uh, McTwist. I really love that game the because soundtrack of the that game's also, story was just so ridiculous. Everything on that, on that game soundtrack was a banger. But outside of that, I did start Mortal Shell, and you know, you were talking about you know when you wake up and you just have the thing like I want to play Mortal Shell or I want to play that game. That was Mortal Shell for me. How I beat far, the I beat the game. How, like how long? Is twenty it? to twenty five hours, depending on how you play. Is it like New Game Plus, like Dark Souls? There is New stuff? Game Plus. Cool. I'm in it right now. <laughs> Ghost, it's just not going to get played for a while. <laughs> and I know in a year full of great games that each one I've played and been like, man, I could see this potentially being game of the year. This is going to be the craziest thing. I think the game I have enjoyed the most because of it being purely surprised. Here's the thing. You know, I'm pretty optimistic about souls like games and I tend to like more of them that most people don't. I thought Lords of the fallen was good. Not yeah. great, but it was good. Uh, I think you also like salt and sanctuary a lot too. I did not care for Salt and Sanctuary uh, very okay. much, but I did love Death's Gambit, yeah, which was a little different. Yeah. So anyway, I, I like the games that go on the outer skirts of it. I wanted to like The Surge. It just didn't quite st- st- stick with me. And my worry for this game, definitely once I saw the $30 price point, was... I thought it was 40 No, it's 30 Even better for me. Then. Yeah, so I was worried in that setup that it was going to end up being a game that didn't quite meet the potential. And because of the fact that it didn't, it wasn't quite as good as Dark Souls, but it was also too similar to Dark Souls, that it was going to end up being a game that, while I may have enjoyed it, it wouldn't just grip me to be like, yes, do that. Instead, this game is so unique and so different while still clearly being inspired by a game like Dark Souls, while also nailing the general feel and tone of the world and the way I like the mystery to unravel towards you. All of that, it exceeds so well at, while being different in the fact that there is no classes, yeah. everything is based off of what shell, shell you go into. Yeah. And this is really one of those games original. where clearly the idea came from just a base idea. Like, what if you had a game that was kind of like Dark Souls, but it was also like Warframe, where you change, you're the same person, but you're changing your outer shell, and that changes what abilities you do and don't What's have. What's cool about uh, Mortal Shell is like the soul aspect of it is that there's no souls. Like, in that sense, it's you got to go back to your shell. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The game... Is also a, a more forgiving than Dark Souls, but in a way that, that feels accurate to the world and way that they're giving it to you. Yeah, like so I, like one of the mechanical things that kind of helps players who may be a little scared that it's as daunting as Dark Souls can be coming into, it is still that hard. And I had a very similar feeling to having to get acquainted with Bloodborne after playing so much Dark Souls, where I remember Bloodborne gave me the most hell in the first area, Old Yarnum. Or Yarnum, not old Yarnum, but Yarnum. Um, What's weird about Bloodborne is like we had the exact opposite. Like where I think you think Father Guys Coin was hard for everybody, mm-hmm. but then the end of Bloodborne was like we ramped up. Like Rom was the the hardest. Rom is the hardest boss fight. I'll give you that. Um, but outside of Rom, Father Guyswan was the person I had the hardest time with in that game. Um, but outside of that, the the thing for. It for Amelia. me was I remember playing yeah Amelia Vicar was it's hard but I beat her first try on my still. first on my first playthrough Amelia was the hardest for me but I remember I stuck in Central Yarnum or whatever for probably three or four maybe even five hours of gameplay just trying to familiarize myself with the loop all right now Mortal Shell is a much smaller game. And yeah. that's part of why they talked about they priced at $30 because they looked at what content and value they had. But when you're looking at this game, you have 
a hub world, which is Falgrim, and that kind of is like the central Yarnum, but every Firelink Shrine and yeah, Souls One or something. Yeah, where it's like everything happens around there, and there's enemies the and Nexus. other things. But when you go through, well, no, see, like the Nexus and like Firelink Shrine, where it's like your hub that you're actually um, no enemies or anything are there is kind of right there in Falgrim Tower. It's like the center of the map. Okay. And then Falgrim outside of it has got its own sub-areas and everything that you go through and find items, face enemies, and different things, even some sub-bosses. But then the major bosses within the game are each within areas that when you get to the edge of Falgrim, you can go up and you see like a really ornate-looking entrance that you walk into, and then you're in another area. It loads into a new area. So, so like the customization of shells, how is that? So there is, is there variety there. There's not customization in shells. The shells themselves are your classes, essentially. And the way that those work out is very different. So the first one you get is kind of like the well-rounded. He can do a little bit of everything. Then there's a next one that's the scholar. And he's kind of an upgrade where he's still well-rounded. But his you know health, and he's got a little bit more health. And I think either the same amount of stamina or a little bit more stamina. And he also has the most resolve, which is how you do abilities. In this is game. there is there magic shells? No, so not there's no, yet. There's no spellcaster shell. No, not yet. Now, and when I say not yet, the game is a closed game. But they're talking about doing DLC potentially, and in the DLC they had other plans for shells that they have not done, so they may come in DLC. Yeah. But so all of them are more based around physical contact, but there's also a ranged weapon called a ballista zuka that you can pull out, and it has huge bolts that you have to find, and hmm. it can impale enemies. It's like and, a dragon slayer. Yeah, bro. it's really crazy. But I guess where I was trying to go is that these these shells are all based differently by once you unlock their name. So there's no okay there's there's not a bonfire so much as there's these little figures that stand that essentially are like multiple multitudes of the doll from bloodborne where you talk to them and you can level up and stuff through them and do all your do all your stuff through there but with each shell as you're attached to them you go and speak with her and the first thing you have to do with any given shell is unlock its name to be able to do anything else because you're going through its memories and kind of working out what's unique about that shell. So you have to unlock the name, which takes a glimpse, which is kind of like the same as how I'm forgetting what's called insight in bloodborne. Okay. Let's stop talking about this game now because <laughs> now I want to experience this for myself. Yeah. I won't say too much, but essentially what you're going to do is you're going to unlock the name. And then from there, you're going to get a skill tree. That's kind of a round skill tree that it's not even a skill tree. It's it's honestly just an orb. You choose which one you want to do. They're not locked behind other ones. Oh, that's cool. And each person has got crazily different ones that change the way their so that, play so that, style that's is. That's where variety comes in. Yes. And you can choose. To, you can always get all of them once you get far enough in the game and have enough glimpses and tar. Tar is like the souls. But interesting. Yeah. The the mechanic that I think everybody may need to know because like. In the Discord, Richard was talking. He was, he was like, oh, it looks cool, but also he doesn't like hard games like Dark Souls. There is a system called Your Last Chance, and per spawn, no, per, per death, essentially. Sounds a lot like Shadows Die Twice. What you can do is you can, you'll, you'll have your shell, and you'll see a little light in an orb that's beside your health bar. And what happens is, because you're inhabiting a shell, if you die... What actually happens is you get knocked out of the shell, and then you have this much health. One hit kills yeah. you, but you have crazy stamina, and you have to maneuver your way around all the enemies to get to that shell to get again. back to the shell. And you can rebind with it, and it fully it fully heals you completely. Can you get knocked out of that shell then go find another one? Shells are weird. Too, is it just too like you're bound hard. to a shell until you find another one? And when you find it, you can pick it up. 
But once you pick it up, it goes back to your main Fulgrim Tower, and that's where you change shells. I can see there being a lot of cool challenge runs with this game. Now, what else is interesting is that there are items that let you eventually, as you go through the game, you can you can get effigies that are single-time uses. Are they called effigies? Yeah. And the way that they work is that you use them, and it will, through Astral something, they will it'll switch your shell out with the shell that you have the effigy for. Dark Souls 2. So it's pretty interesting. I really, really think you'll like it. Uh, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on it. Can you play the game with no shell? Actually, yes. There is a trophy for beating the entire game with no shell. That means it's it's somewhat not a challenge, it sounds like, then. Oh. <laughs> cool. I it's weird. A, I want to do a no shell challenge. I'm going to do it. Because I'm, I'm six trophies away from platinum, four of which are fairly easy. I've just I'm not like, done. I'm like six trophies away from the Dark Souls 3 platinum. I ain't getting that <laughs> no time soon. <laughs> Yeah, the two hardest ones are renouncing humanity. I think, which is are it's it's beating the game in what's called Obsidian Black mode or something like that. Obsidian mode. It's weird. And then you have to beat the game with no shell. I'm gonna love this game. I know for sure. But like, dang it, this just sounds like a Dark Souls ripoff, and not even a Dark Souls like renouncing humanity sounds like an ending trophy for Dark Souls. It's crazy because, like I said, it's. In some ways, it's the least unique take on it because it's so much to that kind of high fantasy that you get from a game like Dark Souls. But at the same time, it's doing it in such a crazy different way. Yeah, that it's 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 comparable but not. Direct. Yeah, it's like it's still unique. Yeah, in its own little take. So have that with what you will. Uh, so that's pretty much all we'll I've start done. Start it tonight. And I don't know what I'm going to play next. I'm probably just going to keep playing this until Moral Shell. I'm probably going to keep playing this until Kingdoms of Amalur comes out. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah, so that's early next month. I've got a few days to keep playing this. But... Dang, yeah, next month is like this week. Or next week. Next week, yeah. We get so, a three-day weekend for Labor Day. Ooh. Moving into the community stake. The community stake last week was fairly simple. It was just a question based off of all the, you know, back-and-forth drama, you know, going on around next-gen upgrades. So it was, how do you feel about next-gen upgrades of current-gen games? How do you feel they should be approached from a cost perspective? Free, a small fee, or rebuying the game as a remaster as we've seen in the past and done more, you know, often. Over on Discord, our first one is Mr. Josh Ayers, one of our patrons. He says, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Ubisoft, even this gen with Black Flag, you could put the PS3 disc in your PS4 between a certain time frame and pay $15 to upgrade it to the PS4 version. But smaller games, of course, will be a rebuy. Control thing sucks, yes, but anyone go to work for a few weeks and not get paid for your work. The, th- the big third parties can do this, but they can't. Oh, so I'm sorry. The big third parties can do this, or they get put into Microsoft's situation where it's upgrade program, which has skewed everyone's opinion on upgrades this gen. Even without updates, all PS4 games should work on PS5, so they would want to avoid people buying a game on PS4 super cheap, then get less money than they could otherwise, which is a good point. Now, hold on. No, that's it, but it's a wrong point. I, well, I haven't seen a single negative, uh, a single negative point about smart delivery, nor... Has anybody- I don't think he means it that way as much as smart delivery has, because it's happened, it set an expectation that previously didn't quite exist. But Sony's doing the same thing. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm not saying Sony's they're, not. Well, I'm just saying they're but both Microsoft, doing it. And this is a weird thing because I don't know. From what I've seen, I didn't feel this way, but there's clearly a lot of people on both the Xbox side and people on the PlayStation side viewing it in different lights, but who view Microsoft's push towards the idea of smart delivery as part of the reason that third parties and even Sony are having to kind of push it because Microsoft was behind the scenes. Again, I don't know how true I this mean, is, that kind but of goes- Microsoft's apparently behind the scenes pushing people to do this, which kind of made everyone else have to do it so that they're not 
that, that, left behind. That's how competition works. That is how competition works. And everybody loves competition when it comes to exclusives, so they can love competition for everything else if you yeah. want to be even. So anyway, I, I get that, and I also get the idea of devs do potentially have to go back and work on it more. See, we don't know, though. That's the thing that it's, 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 it's hard to talk about this because we don't know what these next-gen upgrades are going to be. If you're going to tell me that Control's upgrade will just be 4K at 60, which is not going to be because you can't even do that on PC now, but it's going to be whatever. If it's the resolution and frame rate bump, then no, that's not worth the money. That's an update. That should be included for the price you pay for the game. Do you know why? How is this going to affect PC games? They're not going to get that update because that update doesn't exist on PC. It's baked into their hardware. And that is actually one of the big things that I'm I'm sure we'll get to. I know I've seen some from what people were saying. But the idea that PC, and that's been a prevalent thought process throughout all of this, is that when you're dealing with PC, PC doesn't have you do anything because you automatically get the upgrades from just getting a more powerful PC. But you do hit a limit on certain games where the game was just not made with that in mind, so it can't even scale up that high anymore. It's like it's like Oblivion. Oblivion's a great example. Yeah, you can't really play Oblivion in anything higher than 1080p naturally. Or you can't. I think maybe it's 1440, but you also can't play with the controller unless you do a bunch of mods that other people have. Those mods aren't worth it. They're not. But I mean, here's the thing, though. It's like if I I have a PC. If, mm-hmm. if I go and buy a better graphics card, I'm not paying $15 to update Sea of Thieves or whatever I'm playing on PC. Mm-hmm. It's automatically there because that's the way PC works. How do they get away with this? For, for just resolution and stuff like that. Now, if you're going to tell me that you're going to retexturize the whole game and it's going to have retexturization on every single thing, it's going to have uh, 4K resolution bump, more settings and options for yeah. dynamic lighting, for, uh, for RTX and all kinds of other stuff. Sure. There's a conversation to be had there, whether it's whether the price point is dependent or not, we don't know. But for the most part, no. Like, and, but we won't know. And I think there's not much else you can do, in my opinion, with this next generational bump that is prevalent. Like, I don't think like we're already getting like some games in 4K, some games not. But then, like, what are you going to get besides 4K and a resolution bump? More particle effects. Potentially, get like- that, and that comes down to the argument of like a remaster, right? Because one of the things that we yeah. see about remasters this generation, definitely when we saw like a lot of the blue point ones, is higher base resolution. Of course, a higher frame rate. Typically, you know, all the Uncharted games, even The Last of Us, we went from thirty frames per second to sixty frames per second. Yeah. And The Last of Us even went the extra mile to make sure that they redid all of the in-engine cutscenes that were still pre-rendered but mm-hmm. in engine so that they would be 60 frames per second so you don't end up with the stuff that happens with certain games where they get remastered but then all the cutscenes don't get rebuilt they're still low resolution being upscaled and then being a 30 frames per second either being reconstituted you know what do they call that um frame interpolated to be able to yeah. be 60 frames per second or just being 30 frames per second and feeling weird well not only that but, but um, here's the thing you, how long did it take them to do that and how long is the time distance between control launching and this update yeah. Oh, I know. And that's it's, the thing is, most games this Gen 2 get a different sit, uh, setup because a lot of the things that I've loved about this gen that we talked about is the idea that in-engine but pre-rendered cutscenes are so less common these days to where most games, definitely in the latter half of this gen, have been set up to do all of their cutscenes within engine yeah. and, and real time so that you're not having to have that disparity. Well, all you have to do is, hey, this is a cutscene, so while it's in real time, we're going to switch to this high most model. Most AAA games do yeah. that. Um, yeah, and that's what I should say. The, what, the games that 
sadly, most people are going to be worried about. Ghost does that fairly well, where yeah. it's like you're riding a horseback, and then all of a sudden you're actually playing the game. And it's like that transition was really smooth. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Josh for the most part. He says it's a case-by-case basis. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think it is going to be a case-by-case basis. I don't think – I think that with backwards compatibility in mind yep. – you're you're probably not gonna really care. You already are playing on your 4K TV. You're already like unless that like I said unless it's something like retexturization of like the whole game and and it's it's literally like this is where um not RTX what is it called um it is RTX but what's the other side of RTX ray tracing yeah um it's like unless it gets all this stuff added to it then even then it's like. What's the price on that? I really do think that Control would have, which Control right now uses a lot of, I think, screen space reflections. So I'm not trying to get too technical with it. But if they do switch, I don't know, because the game is so stylistic that trying to rebuild the game to utilize ray tracing may end up being a lot of work because well, no, it, so much work was done up front to make the stylistic They're not thing rebuilding work. the game because that, they can already do that on PC. So the game already has it in there. They just well, got to port it. So that's a real question I had. I don't know if Control on PC utilized RTX. It I, does. I, I didn't it, know. It's actually yeah. one of the bench, and I, and I could be wrong. I could be ray tracing. It's one of those for one hundred percent. Well, RTX certainty. is just Nvidia's ray tracing well, support, yeah, it, but it's built in on the whole a, on a hardware level. Yeah, that plus like the whole free sync and all that crap. Mm-hmm. Like the proprietary GPU stuff is annoying, but um, it's already baked into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at so that point, like, at now, that point, it's a it's a porting game, and like all you got to really do is what is what my my dumb little brain thinks is turn the game to ultra something that or or high whatever would run on PS5 and Xbox Series X, and then just port it, lock those settings down, and then yeah, because that's the thing is somebody has to go through and make sure it, that that's the work right is someone having to go through and say well maybe we just give them the game on ultra PC settings, but we have to make sure that the PS5, when doing that, can run these ultra PC settings from a quality standpoint for the entirety of the game without dropping frames or needing to go to a variable resolution or yeah. anything like that. And that's what I'm saying. It is a weird thing. Most of what he's really talking about, and he brings in a good thing, if you went to work, even if it's just for three weeks, if you went to work for three weeks and get, didn't get paid anything for it, you would be like, what the hell? And that's kind of what, in, in a very, di- in a very di- different way, but that's kind of what's going on here is you're, you're essentially saying the game should go do this, but it's with the idea that the game would hopefully sell more with this work being done, and then they would have a PS5 version that people could buy brand See, new. this doesn't make sense to me, and this never has when people use this argument for game devs. The game's out. The mm-hmm. game has, has been sold. Mm-hmm. They have made money. Why don't they just pay their employees to do this extra work? Well, it depends on the it depends like, on each company, right? Control. Well, I assume this is a situation where five hundred five, and that that really comes up. Five hundred five games is highly likely to be the main person who's in control of how this game is going to handle its next gen upgrade. Well, here's the thing: say if I, say if they have that that person come in for a weekend mm-hmm. or three weeks to do this, yeah. and nobody buys the update because of the negative press, does he get paid? I don't know. He does. Yes, yeah. he does. I, like, I assume so I, I because under- you should have funding secured before you do the yeah, things. And, and if so. they don't, you yeah. shouldn't be buying from that company anyways. <laughs> and I think that's the consumer's fault for doing so. If anything, I'd say the fact that transparency within how games are funded is actually a really big problem because you don't know. Well, funded, you don't really get to make that decision 
you don't get to go, oh, they pay, they had these people do a, a bunch of overtime and didn't pay them anything more for it because that is essentially what we're talking about. It's someone doing more work and having to go there outside of the constraints of when they were supposed to just to get something added in but not get, actually getting compensated for it. Now, because it's so hard for transparency on that, and that's why Jason Schreier gets all these articles about yeah. – crunch and overtime and overtime that's not getting paid for that is a huge thing but going back to the pc side of things rude days 93 a new patron thank you man appreciate you. Thank you he says i'm uh so i'm not very tech savvy but from what i understand the ps3 and 360 consoles had a completely different architecture than the ps4 xbox one so i can understand the remasters slash paid upgrades from then but now the current gen and next gen consoles are much more similar and are much closer to pcs than ever before and you have never had to buy a game multiple times when you upgrade your pc exactly what we're talking about. Xbox has some sort of programming for free up, uh, free upgrades. EA has their upgrade program, and I'm sure PlayStation does as well. So why should upgrades not be free? And that's the thing, too, is that I think that unless it's different, and I don't think it is, but in Josh's scenario, there's a guy going to work for three weeks for this update. That's not the case, right? You, you hope not. Well, I mean, from a technological standpoint, like, does that make sense? Like, that these settings are already in the game because they're on PC. And yeah. essentially, PS4 is just running a different PC architecture than a Windows PC. It's, it's, it's having to run down optimization. So the same yeah. thing would have to be done for the PS5 version. It would have to be what settings are we going to base it off of, and then how do we tweak from there if the, if the settings don't work perfectly there. Yeah, but, we may have to do extra. So there is definitely someone working. We don't know the amount of work. But this is post-game but, work. This is, yeah. this is the standard stuff that they would be sticking around for for bug fixes, for, for updates DLC stuff. updates, Which for all is kinds typically, of stuff. And they're getting paid for that. Typically behind the idea, and that's what I said earlier, it's behind the idea of selling the game to more people. The reason games continue to get updated now is because your hope is that for people who didn't buy it day one or early, that as you update it, fix different things and add more things that it gets to a point where down the line they go, you know what? They've done enough. Maybe the price has dropped. Maybe they've added something I really wanted. So now I'm going to buy well, it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing, right? It's, like it's all it, long-term support. It's the same as games as a service, but just the no man's sky take on it where it's not about selling you something over and over again. It's about getting something to a point where you hope people change their mind and decide to buy it. That's, that's something that I've kind of come to a realization about. And that's what I was talking about earlier with being a patient gamer. There is no real, no real world and no real self gain in buying a game day one, unless it is something you are wanting to do because you're excited for that game. Like you shouldn't feel pressured for like, I'm trying to think of a good example because the rest of the games coming out this year that I know about or care about, I'm getting within day one window, like day one, two, three, like Cyberpunk day one, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Kings of Eleanor day like probably day, like at the end of the week or something. Yeah. But at the same time, it's say if say if Ghost came out tomorrow, what do I gain from buying Ghost tomorrow versus six days from now? And it's not something that I necessarily care about. Like I mean, I care about it, but it's not something like I'm I, I'm in a hurry to play. It's just one of those kind of interesting things. Um, so I actually agree with Rude Days. There, it's just it's one of those things where it is it, it's it kind of is like it, it's more similar to PC. Like they should be able to come up with a solution for this where somebody's not having to work for three weeks unpaid because that doesn't make sense to do. Yeah, and it just shouldn't be kind of a thing. So 
I think one of the things going on right now too is this thought process that may be true. Again, I don't overly, I had definitely lately, I've not been having too much time to just dig into the Xbox side of things since it doesn't immediately affect me. But I've seen people say that Xbox has something going, has something either planned or already functioning that is supposed to essentially be like, hey, put your game here. And then this is like something that's smart set to automate the process of scaling the game up. Which, which would make sense which, for what they have. Yeah. You may not get something that's utilizing the power absolutely to its best core, yeah. but you can get something that you slot the game in and it just it's, it goes, it hey, better. bare minimum, we're just going to run a quick thing. It's going to run through and see, hey, does it keep the game at 60 frames per second throughout all this? Okay, then we're just going to cap it here. It doesn't really matter what it is. Maybe we're not going to 4K, but maybe we're taking a game that was 1080p or 1440p and we're moving it to 1800p. Yeah. And it's like, but that's it, but it's still higher and it's capped, and that way the work is so minimal that you could afford to just go, maybe this will get more people to buy my game. Yeah, and it's and it's mainly could easily do that too because it's the Xbox is literally a modded Windows computer. Yeah, you know, one of the things I said earlier, and I, I was going to say this anyway, but one of the things based off earlier is that Microsoft has set the expectation for free upgrades. I think realistically that's been happening all generation, but it's been happening with things that nobody thinks to expect it from. Warframe. A game but, that you don't have to pay anything for has had multiple graphical updates, multiple huge updates that change the way the game works entirely. Then you have games that are closed Bungie ecosystem. And too. They're both free, free and eight. They said last time they announced uh, Beyond Light. Is your wife here? Probably. Okay. Um, they're like 4K 60 frame update for consoles for free. For yeah. PS5 and stuff. Yeah, and, and that makes more even more sense for that game. This yeah. is a game that you want people to continuously come back to. You want to give them an incentive to keep playing next gen and not forget about your game. Yeah. Uh, but No Man's Sky is the game, as I said earlier. That's the one that I really think has shown this is a game that never has once made anybody pay for an update. Right. It's never once had paid DLC right. ever. So when you look at it, the only benefit as to what they were doing was we're going to make the game look better. They've done multiple graphical multiple. updates to that game. We're going to make the game run better. We're going to introduce new features like multiplayer into this game with no motivation outside of just hoping that we get more people to buy the game. Yeah. Now, it's not free work. Again, this is work that clearly costs them, but they've, again, clearly had See, in spades the return of investment. If, if Hello Games can, can continuously work on this game for, for nothing. Yeah. These people aren't going unpaid. Or There's you, a system say, there. That, nothing outside of uh, nothing outside of continued. No monetary yeah. value, I should say. Yeah. Uh, true. Another patron on Discord. He says, "I am more than happy to pay for upgrades to next gen versions of games I plan on to keep playing, like Destiny or other games that I want to go back to." Um, seeing many developers offering upgrades for free is really just a plus for me. But on the other hand, I really like. Uh, on the other hand, things like the control situation where there is no path to upgrading other than buying the whole game again are really not great. Five to ten dollars would be how much I'd be willing to pay. And I think that kind of comes down to it, too. It's like, how much are you willing to pay for this? For me, if it's a game I love, nothing. <laughs> like, I, I'm not willing to pay for upgrades. Um, <laughs> I just love the way you chose to word it. Yeah. Like, for me, a game I love, still not doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, still, still like not doing it. Like, I'm not, that's, that is essentially locking technology that you should be running behind a paywall when you think about it just in a very shallow way you are locking minimum requirements for your console behind a paywall i think that that depends on the game right because i'm going to pull this off into something that actually is a good example for you and just see how you'd feel about it so what are the what are the main complaints that we know about bloodborne not 60 frames. Not 60 frames. What's right. the other one? Even though it's 30 frames per second, it's got frame pacing. Frame pacing. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm, I, 
clearly as somebody who understands what those things are but does not fully understand how you go about fixing them. Yeah. I don't know how much work goes into that. But let's just say that they were going to say, hey, you know what we're going to do? For $10, if you own Bloodborne, no matter how you own it, we're going to give you 4K60 with perfect frame pacing Bloodborne. Nope. You still wouldn't care? Nope. And that's fine. I'd wait for the it's blue just po- a question. I'd, I'd, I'd I mean? wait for the Bluepoint remake because <laughs> evidently that's going to happen. Um, that's You shouldn't have to pay for a game that is receiving fixes like that. Well, that's it's, like, a, it's that's a difference like saying, because... Is it, a, if it, is it a difference? The reason I consider it a difference is that you can clearly be and love and experience Bloodborne in a way that's fantastic plenty of people have without these things. These are clearly coming back in and adding something just for the sake of giving you a better experience if you want it. It's the idea of if they, you know, there was a rumor forever ago that PS uh, that Bloodborne Remastered was going to be a PS5 game, right? Or Bloodborne Cart. And see, my thing is, is the better way to word it, let's just take away from the upgrade, is Bloodborne Remastered a viable product in your opinion? Yes. Okay, so why would Bloodborne being remastered just via an update not be a viable platform? Because they're redoing the whole entire game that way. Well, they're- a remaster doesn't have to be. I mean, even let's just say the update was more of a remaster. That's why I say like retexturing, bringing up well, textures guess, that yeah, were low. Remaster, and, not yeah, remake. Yeah, yeah. I forget muddy so, waters. And that's that. why you know one of the things I said months ago that I would be really interested to see is for all the games that can afford and the publishers that can afford to give you a free update. Great, and I have no problem with that. I personally don't care. Again, my only problem with the control thing was the arbitrary line they drew. Yeah. It, should, it should just be a content thing. If you want it to only be that people who have this set content, which is all of the DLC and the base game, if you can prove they have that, they should get the update if that's what you're doing for Ultimate yeah, Edition. Yeah, and that's, that's where I stand on it. But I do like his idea, and it's something I said months ago, that what I think you may start seeing games do is instead of being remastered as a completely individual release, I think you might start getting ones that are remasters by all things that you'd expect. Retexturization, bringing the, the, everything up, maybe well, even no, 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 no. pulling in new character models, Hold but on. doing so Because with, retexturization isn't necessarily a thing for remasters alone. Oh, no, it's not. It can happen in anything. That's different. Again, That's what I'm saying. No if Man's they Sky had it recently. If but, they retexture Bloodborne in that patch, I'd pay for it that way because yeah. at that point, it's not just a resolution and frame rate. Bump. It's more of a the second, remaster. The second at that point. things start charging for 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 only frame pacing and frame issues and resolution bumps, I'll be going to computer. I'll be going to PC. Frame pacing is the one that gets me. Frame rate and resolution bumps, I understand. But well, I think from what think, I understand about frame pacing, and this is a good example. You would right? think that'd be fixed though inherently with a frame rate. But apparently not, because this is one of the crazy things that happened. We'll use Horizon Zero Isn't Dawn. is frame pacing just the timing between at frames? At which how it hits it, but that's yeah. based off of something in how the animations and things are synced up to different things. I guess that's true. So apparently it takes more work. It, it's, a, it's an issue that starts too early on. It's really hard to fix from what I'm understanding. If you know more about this, I'm eager to learn more, but a good recent example of even a game moving to PC and doing a lot of work to make it work on PC still actually has frame pacing issues on PC that it did not have on consoles. Horizon Zero Dawn has frame rate problems, frame pacing problems, rather, even at 30 frames per second on computer, even at 1080p resolution, even at 14, all resolutions that are Basic Let's, native to the P, to the PS4 version, but suddenly when you move it to PS, PC and you start to extrapolate these things and move to 60, it but, actually introduces problems. So it's clearly something that happens from, I would imagine, an optimization standpoint. It has to be something that is either fixed or addressed because I think it creeps up sometimes without people knowing and then it's too hard to fix 
let me easily. ask you this: you let's say you bought Mortal Shell within day with a week of 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 it coming out. Yep, there's frame pricing issues. Let's say that that's a thing. Then, oh, by the way, just so you know, game is doesn't look amazing. It looks fine. Yeah, but. I had not experienced a single frame rate drop in I mean, that game at all. I haven't experienced a frame rate drop in Ghost yet either, which is uh, also yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, let's say that game came out and it rated at thirty frames per second, had frame pacing issues, mm-hmm. but then three weeks later, they were like, "Hey, you can get rid of this five dollars." No, I wouldn't pay it. Exactly, and, that's and, the thing. I, why, why, why I would understand, you? but here's the difference between between Bloodborne and it, right? No, there is. That, this that, is that's a brand the same new. Thing. This is a brand new game. I don't care. It's, and that's a game that has been closed off and sealed off, and people have moved on from. It's even worse. And people of are an coming back and saying, "Hey, it's even maybe worse. we could do this." I don't. I don't view that because, yeah, like I said, Bloodborne's for, still a playable game. It is, but I'm saying like it's even worse in that case because they waited until this became a thing to pay for upgrades. To bring this to fix the game when they could have fixed the game for free back then, maybe. But no, <laughs> well, I should say they can clearly fix it for free because we saw not frame pacing no, I mean, issues no, well, because no Dark Souls Sky. three didn't have them, but we saw Dark Souls three way later get four K sixty or not four K, but we got we saw I them get sixty is, frames per second. I think it is four K. It, it's not native four K. I know that. Well, much. no, no, uh, but no, it got sixty frames per second or four K is what it was. You could either run the game at sixty frames per second or you could run it in high resolution. I think. See, but regardless, it got an update for it's that also, free it's later not, down the it's line. It's not exactly 60 frames per second either. That game also like was, yeah, I know, it's, it's variable. Yeah. Uh, but even then, it, br- it brought the frame rate up. They did it way down the line, but also on a game that got multiple DLCs. For free. For free. So I think what it comes down to is whether the game has been considered capped off and closed off. I'll tell you or this if it's right been now. Considered Every game open. in the world ever to have been created mm-hmm. up until this point of control and this conversation, if there was frame rate problems resolution weird resolution problems like where one day it'd be running at 720 then you get to this next section it's running at 1080 and it's noticeable yep that would have been fixed for free so i'm that's what i'm saying if it's if it's if you're gonna give me an upgrade and you're gonna add in rtx you're gonna add in better particles you're gonna actually go and go do more work exactly then sure but if you're gonna tell me that your update just does the frame rate and resolution absolutely not. i'm actually entirely in agreement with you and you the listener shouldn't be paying for that crap either yeah no, I'm in agreement there. I just think that if you, my point on Bloodborne and why I brought it up specifically is that it, if it were going to be touched now, since we're so many years past release, it would not just be touched with those. It would be, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to retexture the game, make sure that all the resolution on the textures is much higher so the game looks better. We're going to make sure all the frame rate is much better. We can go to 60 and there's no frame pacing issues. We're going to bump that resolution up well, here's, to a native 4K. You know where you we're really... Gonna do, we're, maybe we're even going to do some kind of crazy stuff where we add some extra content that you know was where, cut. Well, you know you get really get kicked in the nuts. And then you pay for it. When you when you pay for that, and then, then literally five years later, Bluepoint makes a remake. <laughs> you maybe, pay for it again. But, you pay, but all you're doing at that point is you're paying for the immediacy of getting to experience it better in the in-between before that remake. I don't See, think that that's necessarily a problem. But what's the price? Dark that? Souls, Dark Souls Remastered is a perfect example. Dark Souls One was notoriously known for Blight Town being a mess. The whole game, but the whole game was not great. Yeah, yes, the whole game was sluggish, and you didn't and get a solid experience until you came over into the PS4. Dark remastered. Souls One is responsible for a mod program, DS Fix, to be a thing, and it's literally called DS Fix, Dark Souls fix yep it had so many weird little clunky issues with the game that somebody created a mod specifically for that game and it's ds fix and let me tell you when they announced the remaster and they're like 60 frames per second guaranteed everything i'm like like that's one of those things because they did the the lighting they did the 60 frames per second exactly they included the dlc for free the value proposition outside of that was worth it it was a it was a much better package that you're getting 
then you tell me, hey, I'll fix your frame rate and resolution, 10 bucks. They redid multiplayer on that too, didn't they? They, the had, multiplayer they, had, they had to do, no, not to my knowledge. I don't know what they would have. I can't remember. If Dark Souls 1, could you have more than one companion? Oh, now that I don't know about. I, I thought you about like Invasions or something. I, I'd never, I don't think I've ever co-ops in those games, except I co-ops once with um, Corey on Dark Souls 3. Yeah, you co-op with me did on I? Dark Souls 3. Do we co-op or did we just do the, the share play? We did co-op once and then share play once. Okay. So yeah. I, don't remember the, I don't remember the co-op at all. But anyway, I'm going to read a couple more off here that are a little bit shorter and sweeter. The Snow Jedi, another one of our patrons. Thank you, guys. I like his. He says, I don't mind paying for PS5 upgrades depending on the title and publisher. I do think Red Dead Redemption 2 should get some sort <laughs> of upgrade for free. It really depends on how it's done. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I get it. I, you know why I get it? Uh-uh. I think, and I know this sounds crazy, but, but games that have made hand over fist what it costs them to develop. There is no reason. And definitely when they're active online games like Grand Theft Auto and this, there's no reason that these should not be free. If I'm being honest, there's no reason any of them should not be free. That's what I'm saying. I don't know why. Oh, I got you. Now I don't know why. And I'm curious because it depends on what they do with the story. I'm a little surprised that because of how much money they've made, I'm surprised that rockstar has not just said for the sake of good PR, Grand Theft Auto's PS4 version. When you play on PS5, will have all the, like, I don't think that there should be a PS5 re-release that's required for everyone. It should only be like, if you want to buy the game new on PS5, you can. Well, that's why everybody was laughable. That's why that whole situation is laughable. Yeah, because it's like, they, they weren't even clear about whether you had to pay for it or not. It was just, hey, Grand Theft Auto 5 is going to be on well, PS5. It's, it's In for, what capacity? It's free for PS4 users or whatever. Well, it's going to be free on PS4. Plus? For some amount of months, it's some. It was weird. I got to go back and look. Well, at no, the I'm saying like, but if you have it on PS4, yeah. you can run it on PS5. Yeah. Well, again, backwards compatibility for sure, and that's well, something the, we haven't talked enough about. And I think someone mentioned on here is that the basic idea of backwards compatibility kind of makes this a little more pointless because you can still play your game. Nothing's keeping you from playing your game. You just some people are mad that they can't play their game at a higher quality for no reason, but at least you can play your game. I guess that that's. Because on PC, even games that don't benefit from scaling up, it's just that you can still play them. Well, not only that, you but know. I don't expect for every every single thing that I'm going to play on PS4 mm-hmm. to PS5, I don't expect everything to have upgrades. Yeah, like, nor do I. I. It's it's not a thing that you should expect. Yeah, uh, you never ever in the in, when the PS3 came out, you didn't expect PS2 games to run better. When the PS2 came out, you didn't expect your PS1 games to run better. No, you didn't expect that. You shouldn't be expecting it now. If you're expecting it now because some companies are doing this for free, and then now you saw this one company come out and say, hey, it's going to cost money, and you saw them take advantage of it, don't be a fool. Because do not go into the next gen expecting every game you own will run better. Yeah. Just now, go into next generation. Just be grateful that you can run your games at all. And any game that does happen to look better, kind of like, because like, here's the big thing, right? Uh, no game, and this is weird it's just like a hyper slightly different situation and then we'll probably move on but the ps4 pro and xbox one x are really interesting examples of games getting free updates to show you the power of those systems yeah so that you already i think that that also is part of what led the expectation because people look at it and go what did they get did that game get a free upgrade well yeah actually the last of us uncharted 4 Second Son all got massive Dark Souls, upgrades. I don't think Dark Souls 3 had that update uh, on the PS4, base PS4. No, no. They that PS4 Pro had. No, I don't think so. I think no. PS4 Pro was what was required for it to run at 60. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Is like All of these things came as free upgrades as part of a mid-gen system that, for all intents and purposes, is essentially PS4.5. Yeah. So when you look at it from that sense of it being kind of like a half-generation, 
and you getting all these upgrades for free from both Sony and Microsoft and tons of third-party publishers as well who came back and said, you know what, we're going to make the game run better because you have more power to do so. It does kind of create the situation where I agree with you. You should not expect it. I understand a little bit why that expectation has been born, even though I don't think it should have been. But at the same time, when you do get something for free, instead of viewing it as something that you that is an inherent right of you as a console owner, just view it as something that you're getting as kind of like the cherry on top. Because the other example of PS4 Pro is base games from PlayStation 4 being able to utilize the boost mode to potentially yeah. run at better frame rate. Potentially, too. Potentially, yes. And actually, boost mode sometimes makes games run worse. Worse. So when you Anthem, look at them in those situations, personally. it's it's kind of set up to where you should look at benef- like situations where you do have that benefit is just nice. And it depends on how the game is made. You know, some games that are made with an uncapped frame rate are naturally going to benefit from having more power pushed behind them because they're not trying to hit a cap. They're going to go, oh, well, we're normally doing the best we can to stay above 30, but maybe we're between 30 and 40 on PS4. But since we don't have a cap, when you play on PS5, you might be able to play at 60 because it's not capped. Yeah, It may naturally hit a higher frame rate. But just be thankful for the benefits you do get and be careful of having way too much in expectation. Yes, please don't go into this with all the expectations in the world. So moving away from there, we're going to go ahead and head into the news, and a bunch of stuff happened this week. <laughs> a bunch of stuff, some and some really interesting stuff. I guess will be the topics of our our show with some DC stuff. Yeah, for sure. Do you so, want to hop into that first? We can. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah, we go ahead. So I guess the, the first thing we'll do here is that we finally got to see an update on both the announced at this point in time uh, future of the Batman series and gaming, as well as the continuation of the Arkham universe by Rocksteady and Gotham Knights and suicides, kill the kill the justice league, suicide squad, kill the justice league respectively. God, that was a mouthful. So here's the thing. Gotham Knights looks to not include our titular Batman character as is surprising because the game was announced beforehand as Batman Gotham Knights. But do you notice that the actual badge is just Gotham Knights, but with the Batman listen, symbol? Listen, th- these games have never been good at keeping secrets. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like Jason Todd in the third one or whatever. Yeah. It's just- but I guess what's weird about that is it almost seemed like it went from being called Batman Gotham Knights to where I think now the game is just being referred to as Gotham Knights. Do you know what's weird? These games are so similar. Four playable characters with all different abilities... What is this? I thought these that are was two of the same flavors of cookies over here by two different developers who have both brushed on the same. And then, franchise. like Rocksteady switched from making the Arkham games to making this game, and you would think that Warner Brother Interactive would be making Suicide Squad, but they're not. Well, here's the real crazy thing, right? Because, because going see, into going it, into rumors and different discussions that have happened it, at some point in time, because okay, Arkham Origins, right? The first game from WB Montreal, the people behind Gotham Knights, yeah. It hints at the Suicide Squad. When you beat it, and then when you also beat the game that was a side game, which was Arkham Origins Blackgate, yeah. there are hints towards Amanda Waller and going mm-hmm. towards all through the Suicide Squad stuff. So the idea was that they were going to make a Suicide Squad game while Rocksteady went on to do whatever. Killer Croc's also in the first one, too. Isn't he? Or is he in the second one? I don't remember. It's like, it's an Easter egg. But the point being... Clearly, WB Montreal were setting up for Suicide Squad. There has been rumors and reports and all sorts of stuff that they made a... They, at various points, had gotten a Suicide Squad game kind of up and running, but got canceled. Who knows why? And you would imagine, 
okay, fine. Rocksteady's going to move on, but then WB Montreal would make the most sense to just keep on making the Batman games that everyone loves. And you, you have plenty of Batman that you can brush up against without having to actually continue the Arkham universe. You can just you can go to Batman Beyond. You can move completely past it. I wish. I, I wish. I wish too. But you have plenty of Batman stories that you could have gone through. So it's fine. It's reasonable. It makes sense. The weird thing about this game, and this is not crazy spoiler necessarily for Arkham Knight. Well, they but, already spoiled the ending of Arkham Knight in the beginning of they, the trailer. But they also didn't because this is not Arkham Knight continuation, and that's the weirdest thing. So I guess it's easier for me to, for just a second to go. What? Arkham's game is going to be the Suicide Squad. And right now, all we got to see was way too early of an announced game coming in 2022. Yeah, a game that's going to be here two years, and we saw a CGI trailer. We, call, we saw what is very likely a pre-rendered CGI trailer. If that is real-time, no. they they should have said so, there's but there's no, no way. no way that's real-time that It did look out. fantastic, though. That, if it's that far out, that's all they've done on this game is make that trailer. <laughs> that's, it did look good. It looked but, really good. But more importantly... Uh, also, did you get Sunset Overdrive vibes? I'm far from the first person to say that, but as I soon as it too. came on, I said, "Whoa, yeah, this is Sunset Overdrive it, it, to a T." I've said it before, like in the past in the past couple of weeks or months. I was like, "I really want to play Sunset Overdrive." It's yeah. like something to do, and I, I was like, "I saw that, and I'm like, this is a sign. Like, <laughs> you need I, to go I, do I it. To go play it." Um, so this is where the the waters get real rocky. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, is the continuation of the Arkham universe, which from what from, so that means that Harley is the same Harley that we've experienced throughout all the other games. Which doesn't make sense on one of two levels. One, completely different person. That, that's not the same Harley. Like, stylistically, voice, everything, that's not. Oh, actually, that was Tara Strong. But it's not the same voice that she used in Harley as Harley, though. That's nah, much it, more... It, it was, really. In the, I it, mean, now, clearly, stylistically, it, they're they're basing her way more off of Margot Robbie. Well, that's what they're doing with their voice, too. Yeah. Her voice wasn't that loud, obnoxious in uh, Arkham yes, games. It, yes, it was. I don't remember that at all. Positive, I, I promise I, you. I don't remember that at all. Because yeah. anytime I hear Margot Robbie's uh, Suicide Squad, uh, Harley Quinn, I cringe because I like how like yeah. like screechy it is. I don't remember Harley Quinn being that screechy at all. I think the most screechy she ever got was when you had to carry her in Arkham City. Yeah, for that one mission, um, she was much more tamed. I thought, but um, is this gameplay? No, this is this is Arkham something completely different. Oh, but um. What's what's really really weird is why is this injustice? That's classic Harley though. That is not the New that, Yorker accent that, that Margot Robbie does. That was I, she didn't have a New Yorker accent in that thing yesterday though. B.S. I promise you, Mister J. Like that's the thing of like that's also how, exactly how she sounds. In well, this. that's what I'm saying. That's how she should sound. See, that's that, exactly how she no, sounded yesterday. No, yes, it, it is. I, I will pull up a video right now. <laughs> well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that off podcast. I, don't I shouldn't have even done that. I don't like Margot Robbie. I do not like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Nor in, do I. In well, her, okay. In her voice. I don't like Margot. Yeah, I don't either. Stylistically, she looks hell. the part. But yeah, her voice is not good. Um, <laughs> but also, I, I didn't like Suicide Squad at all. So. Why is Injustice Superman here? I don't know that it is. It's really hard to tell what's going on. He killed a random human being. First he of all, killed he somebody. Killed. That's the second of all. Thing. That looks like a good guy. Yeah. So and he like, clearly looked messed up. Now, or is that Red Sun Superman or whatever that guy is? Literally, who knows? Superman has so many. Yeah. There's a lot of things here, but going back to what makes this weird is that that's the continuation. So that means clearly Batman will not be in that game if the ending of Arkham Knight, the secret ending, but then we is s- the whole true. But then the weird part. Is the trailer that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we saw literally the ending of, well, one of the endings of Arkham Knight 
play out in that in the Arca or Gotham Knights trailer, and I'm confused. So I was confused at first because in my mind, all that, all of the this is a code black. I'm dead. You're getting this because it's automatically sending it out to you. The Batcave at Wayne Manor is, is gone. gone. You can't use it, but we have another place that you can Sorry still use Sorry for the old stuff. tech or whatever. Yeah. And you have all this stuff going on that's like, okay, clearly. And you have the beginning where it's like a news reporter being like, there's been an explosion. And then it cuts off for a second. And it's like, uh, you know, b- billionaire philanthropist Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne is. It's, and then it cuts off again. Yeah, it always does that thing like where if it, it, it follows movie rules or yeah. TV show rules. If you don't see him die on screen and they die off screen, they're not dead. Yeah, I think that too. Yeah. But that's the crazy thing here is that for all bits and purposes, you'd think that. But here's another couple of things that throw a couple of wrenches in that potential thing that this would be the continuation of so, the actual hold on, Arkham. Hold on. Is, is your multiverse a theory or is this... Is this... No, this is a theory. It okay. has not been talked about at all. Okay, so here's the They're thing. They're saying right now that they consider this its own universe. But here's, the, but here's the thing about what's going on across all of DC right now. The multiverse has been established in DC for a while. But it's not touched yet, necessarily. They are kind of brushing against it, and it's going to set it up in this coming Flash movie, which is Flashpoint Paradox that they're basing the new Flash movie off of. Wait, it's a live-action Flash yes, movie? Yes, the new Flash movie is going to be based off of Flashpoint Paradox. Holy and the whole crap. point of it is to set up the idea of the multiverse in the, th- in the, c- in the movies. That way... Things like Matt Reeves' Batman that's coming that looks sick and the Joker can exist as one-offs, but they're just in their own multiverses. Yeah. But they don't have to play into the bigger story unless they decide they want to. So it lets them have freedom to kind of create different movies of the same characters in wildly different ways. For those for those that don't know, Flashpoint <clears throat> Paradox, go watch it. A very, very, very quick spoiler-free synopsis of that movie is the Flash gets put into a different multiverse. Or where, a different universe. Well, different, which, well, it's a multiverse at this point. I don't think they had a name for that back then, did they? Because that was like 2010 so. or 11 that yeah. movie came out. Yeah. Um, but They may have had it in the comics, but not in the... Because I don't keep up with the comics at all yeah, these days. I, DC live action or DC animated movies are They're the so only good. good thing about DC <laughs> uh, to me. Um, that's not graphic novels, I should say. Graphic novels, I don't like the comics or the games, but graphic novels. Um, but he goes to an alternate reality where Bruce Wayne dies... Bruce Wayne's mom, Martha Wayne, is the Joker, and his dad is Batman. Go watch it. Yeah, it's That's really all good. I'm going to say yeah. about that. So, anyway, with that, the reason I think this is going on is that if Rocksteady, and it makes sense to me in the long run that Rocksteady would continue with something that's wildly different but still in their own universe. The, the, but, only, the only thing I don't see about Suicide Squad being a sequel is it thematically doesn't make sense. What do you mean, thematically? Like... That wouldn't be the sequel because Gotham Knights would be kind of thing. Like Gotham Knights exist to act as a pseudo sequel of that, where I think Suicide Squad acts as a new game to introduce either a team based like kind of combat game, pick your own character, or it's going to be a single player Borderlands style, like pick your own a four. So I have a little bit of an idea about what's going on here and why they're choosing to do this. So you have Marvel. Right. And so far from what we've seen, none of the Marvel games that they're making for some reason, Marvel, despite being so quick to make sure that they built the universe in the cinematic side, has been very much saying and proving at this point that they want every Marvel game to be separate. So yeah. Spider-Man is going to be separate. And the Spider-Man that we're going to find in Marvel's, as you would think, being exclusive on PS4, you'd think it's that Marvel's not, Avengers would be the Spider-Man that we know, but it's not. It's a completely yeah. new take on the character. It's not Yuri's uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, so then you look at Iron Man VR. That's its own thing as well. Its own side story. Then mm-hmm. you, so when you look at all, the, all three of those being separate, and presumably the future being separate, 
I think that there's one smart thing that DC might be doing. DC was too slow to try and come with the idea of the DC extended universe, or whatever that they decided to name the movie universe that did not do well for them. Like it did well monetarily. Did you see the, did you see the Snyder cut of the justice? Yes. That, that does not look like the same movie for the most part. Oh yeah. No, I am so it, Joss completely recolored it and everything. He took away all of the Snyder flair that you'd expect and made a movie that was way more. Well, colorful. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the original suicide trailer, the original su- suicide trailer. If you if you remember, it was very slow. It was very dark. Mm-hmm. The music was I forgot what the music was, but it was very it was it wasn't classical music, but it was very it was not pop. It was not Queen like yeah. they did with the the later trailers. It was very much an Ayers thing. Like you you that was Ayers cut that you saw, but we never. You don't have Suicide Squad. Yeah, I don't think he never did Suicide Squad. The original person who was going to be the director not for Ayers. Suicide Squad was not Zack Snyder. No, I said Ayers. But yeah, that, Josh, no, whatever Josh his Ayers. name is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually know the director's name, but um, I can't think of his name either. But I, I thought it was Ayers. I might be wrong. So going back to that though, so in the movie situation, they were slow to do the multiverse or to do a another multiverse. The idea of a, a a universe that's consistent across all the games. Now, what what I think they're doing right now is that they want to be able to expand expand on the gaming thing because unlike Marvel, Marvel was the first to make a really profitable and well-received cinematic universe. And at least in terms of continued games on the gaming side of things, DC was wiping the floor with them well before that, because Arkham Asylum, the very first real DC game where they were like, we're going to put real stock behind this. It knocked it out of the water. Yeah. So for them to continue that, but also find a way to be able to start bringing in new characters from outside of just the Batman section of DC is smart. It makes sense for me to bring in things like, you know, seeing Deadshot and seeing all these different people and saying, okay, we're going to bring in Superman finally. People have been wanting Rocksteady to do something with Superman. So you're in a way you're getting it. Uh, and then we're going to continue off that way. And then that lets Rocksteady's Arkhamverse be the continued big main universe. But then what they're going to do, I think, with these side games is introduce the idea of a multiverse so they can have games that don't have to fit in with a main uh, with the main Arkhamverse, as we're going to call it, or the Rocksteady-verse, but they still get to exist and have you know, their own merits as their own game. And I think that's what's going on since Marvel's keeping all their games separately, but finally stepping up to having good games. I think they're going, well, we've already had good games. We're going to make a universe out of our games and be able to do what they're you've done control, on the cinematic side. Yeah. They're going to control what Marvel controls on the cinematic side in the game universe. Yeah. So the reason that the Gotham Knights thing is weird is if you look at the trailer, there's a couple of dead giveaways that suddenly make you go, Oh, there's no way this is a continuation. One of the things is in the flashback thing or in the little video that plays from Bruce Wayne, he says, since Commissioner Gordon died. Well, Commissioner Gordon did not die in Gotham Knight. Or not Gotham Knight, in Arkham Knight. He retires. So it's already your first wrench. Didn't he die in Arkham Knight, though? Nope. He retires in Arkham Knight at the end of the game. Huh. So more importantly, that's that's number one. Clue number two, Arkham Origins establishes that the Oracle, who is Batgirl and who we see here, Barbara Gordon, she clearly is still alive, but in Arkham Origins, Joker comes to her apartment and shoots her, and she is paralyzed. That's how they, yeah. And in this, we see her walking without any device. So this is clearly a different group of people meant to play on what you like in the Batman games, which is kind of like the exploration of Gotham. Well, it's not Rocksteady doing this game, so that might be where it makes sense on whether using a Rocksteady trope. Like, they like they obviously, they're all the same company in a way. Yeah. Um, they're using 
that universe to get you enamored with the game, but then they're like, well, just ignore all the crap that happened. Just play these characters kind of thing. It's either See, the thing is, they've already confirmed it's their own universe because it was either, it either has to be their own universe or they're having to retcon a bunch of stuff. And I can't see them wanting to retcon because one of the number one criticisms that people get with, when they start trying to expand stories out is that you're doing it at the cost of having to act like other things didn't happen or changing things to where suddenly something happened that clearly did not happen. I think I realized it. I don't like... Harley Quinn's voice when it's done by Margot Robbie because it's coming out of a human being. <laughs> and it's so animated that it seems yeah, hard. Yeah, and it's, and it's harsh. So one of the things... I'm trying to think about like, like they, they sound somewhat similar, but it's not... Maybe, and it's also that I'm used to Terrace, because how, how long have we been with Terrace Harley Quinn? 20, Since, 20 plus years? Well, it depends, point? but yeah, she's been the most consistent. Because she, cause she came in a, a, an animated, animated yeah. yeah. And that came out in 2005, right? Late or, 90s, early 2000s. Maybe I'll think about the animated movie. But, uh, yeah, she, we've 20 years that we've been with her as, as Harley Quinn. So now it's something different. 92. Just, 90, 92. Mm-hmm. When did she enter the picture there? Because she probably wasn't. She's, she's probably what? 92 to 95-ish? No, Tara Strong is like in her late 40s. Oh, is she? Okay. Yeah. Well, then she might have been the voice for Harley since then. And if yeah. that's the case, that's 30 years old. So and maybe it's just that that I've heard her voice for the past thirty years, and I'm just like, that's what she should sound like. Yeah. Um. I don't know though. Well, either way, it's just it's one of those things where I think it's fine that they're doing this. It took me a little bit to get to a point where I was able to be excited. Because no, I shouldn't say that. I was so confused. The excitement took back seat because I was like, what is going on with this universe? Because when I first see it, literally, I watched the trailer. And I haven't even watched it a second time. I just watched the trailer, and my initial thought <laughs> was, oh, this is a continuation. I watched and then that. I started thinking about it more and more and more, and it kind of killed me. I was like, what is this? I watched Matt Reeves' Batman trailer like five times. I told yeah. you that already. I, just I had to about it. It looks really good, too. And see, this is what's crazy about these two games, one of which not really being a, uh, a Batman game, even though it's Arkham. It's still Batman. I mean, it's, it's clearly it's, the Batman but universe. Yeah, but it's not like... Or Batman um, characters and subsets. and whatnot. Batman focus that we know of. What has me excited, and I should preface this, I am a more of a fan of DC when it comes to Batman and Watchmen than anything else in Marvel. But then you throw Marvel at me, and you throw a couple of different graphic novels at me, and you throw a couple of different characters at me, and I like Marvel more. All DC has going for it for me is Batman and Watchmen. And those are the two I think they've done the strongest out of everything else. Across the when board. You look at, when you look at any... <laughs> Any Batman graphic novel, specifically Court of Owls. I think I've said it before on the podcast. Court of Owls is one of my favorite Batman graphic novels, if not my favorite, other mm-hmm. than Killing Joke. Um, and you had that at the end of that trailer. Now, I'm not going to tell you to read Court of Owls if you're interested in this game. I actually recommend you don't. Because if it's going to go across the same exact st- uh, storyline, it's going. It's actually going to be really cool and really well done. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I also, though, if you, if you don't really care about that, do go read Court of Owls because it is an amazing graphic novel. Yeah, but I th- I think Saul's thing is a good point though because one of the big twists in Arkham Knight, if you've been a Batman fan for any length of time, you know 
you knew, knew what it was. You knew who the character was. And so You're knowing a like, little bit about stuff can sometimes ruin twists that they're trying to do. But uh, so interesting thing on Gotham Knights is that it is a cross-gen game. Even though it's coming 2021, yeah. it's going to be on both PS4 and PS5. Whereas, not surprisingly, Rocksteady Suicide Squad will be 2022, but it will be exclusive to next gen. I'll give them that at least. So we'll see what ends up happening from it. But I do think that they showed off Suicide Squad way too early. I think showing Gotham Knights today or not today, this, uh, this year, this week made sense. And I think I would have waited until next year, you know, maybe March of next year and been like, Hey, 2022. But I looked at the wrong timer and I'm like, we're not recording. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording. We thankfully. Yeah. Um, so next thing up though, uh, <laughs> now that I'm thrown off from here, but, uh, ghost of Tsushima also had big reveal in the surprise cooperative multiplayer mode coming this fall titled legends. Uh, the mode is inspired by Japanese mythology and follows four warriors who have become legends and stories told across Tsushima by its inhabitants as they fight their way through locations inspired by Japanese folklore, as well as enemies inspired by the same themes. Players can team up in groups as small as two players and up to four players with four different classes available. The samurai, the hunter, the ronin, and the assassin, whose unique abilities that differentiate the classes will be highlighted at a later date. This is really cool. It's really, really cool. crazy. And really free. And really free. Uh, you know what's really interesting we about this? We should play this. Last week, I almost included a thing where in an interview, Nate Fox said, someone asked him about multiplayer in, in games and you know how they'd not done it. And he said, yeah, don't rule it out for potential like, future releases. And then like and then a couple of days later, it's like, oh, by the way, here it is. It's yeah. not multiplayer, I suppose, in the competitive sense, which I don't know if I would have liked in this, so maybe. Um, but Something co-op. I've said it before. This has kind of always been a hot take of mine, but like co-op will make any game better. I agree. The ability, the ability to, to co-op. The ability yeah. to, yeah, yeah, not force, but like the ability to experience a game you love with your friends can only make that experience better. And then if you don't agree with that, then hey, guess what? You don't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Mortal Shell, that's actually one of the things that one of our patrons, uh, Rude Cold, had said. He was a, sh- he was a little bummed that it didn't have the multiplayer feature set from Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Or, yeah, you know. Yeah. But surprisingly, it doesn't feel absent you, at can all. Can you do messages? Nope. Oh, see, that would be cool. Maybe it's a good thing, though, because maybe that would have been too on the nose while also a lot more expensive. Maybe they wouldn't have been able to hit that $30 price to point if they're though, having to worry about servers. Other games have messages. I mean, Especially like Salt and Sanctuary. That's yeah. the worst Souls-like game. Yeah. That's a hot take there. <laughs> it is the worst Souls-like. Okay, I'm going to go. I think that the Surge is equally no, as no, bad. I, like, I think that the Surge is better. <laughs> the Surge had some cool design going for it. Salt and Sanctuary was great. It looked like they used, uh, um, what was that, those comics called? Adobe Flash is what it looks like they yeah. animated, but... To me, that's what it looked like. Uh, anyway, next thing up, uh, the next Call of Duty game has been revealed to be the long-leaked Black Ops Cold War with a teaser trailer showing off clips from throughout history with the tagline, quote, know your history or you'll be doomed to repeat it. The teaser ends with an announcement of a full reveal on August 26th, so very soon we'll be able to see gameplay. Uh, I actually think that from a sheer marketing standpoint, they've done a good job with this game. There's, uh, there's going to be time travel in this game. I mean, honestly, the Black Ops stories have been the most interesting ones so far. Outside, well, I should say, I should still say interesting. As much as I love Infinite Warfare's, it's a great story, but it doesn't go nearly as crazy as Black Ops Three and, and whatnot. Yeah. Been. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, next thing, this one's kind of crazy, and I put it on here just more for the sake of like what. But there's been a lot of this happening lately. So V Blank, the developer behind Retro City Rampage and Shakedown Hawaii, is bringing what will likely be the last PS3 release 
by porting last year's Shakedown Hawaii to Sony's last-gen console right before PS5 makes its way out. Now, the reason I say that this is not as surprising as it could be is I don't know if you've seen, there's been people who have been making new Genesis games for Sega Genesis. There's been people who have been making new Dreamcast games. These are cle- these these are little these, these are little clicks that do this, though. This, this yeah. is kind of weird, though. It's crazy to me because it's like, like the that's fact that you can hobby. have a whole brand new release on the Sega Saturn. That's almost a hobbyism kind of thing. It is, though. for sure. But also, most of the games are actually really good. Yeah, I bet you they are. <laughs> like Shakedown Hawaii, this game's actually, it got ported to Wii U. It's so weird. I, but I, they've seen a lot, you know, they ported Retro City Rampage to the Vita at a time when Vita wasn't necessarily just sprawling with stuff to do. So they clearly like just having their games on other places, and their games aren't that complex. So it's easy for them to be able to pull out, pull that off, which is just cool. If nothing else, the, the big thing for me is going to be seeing how well this sells on PS3. Like, well, for those 100 copies. For maybe? those super patient gamers. <laughs> and. More importantly, do they bring this to Vita? Is it on Vita? I don't actually know. Miss opportunity. Yeah. Uh, last year's smash hit, Untitled Goose Game, is getting co-op. See? <laughs> to cause chaos with a friend and a free update hitting September 23rd. What did I tell you? There's another game. Uh, Donut County, I think, might be interesting if they would design some levels to be set up to where two people could be like warring. With I still want to play Donut County. Yeah, that game's fun. I really did like it. Next thing up, PS Plus members are being given an odd but added value nonetheless with their sub with the next 10 months including a free NBA 2K21 card pack per month so That's the end game card pack well, if, for people who play NBA 2K21 it is because you otherwise have to buy those with a guess what money. in 10 months you'll be playing NBA 2K2020-2022 yep that's true uh, whatever they call those games now NBA this next one's 2K. cool I, I, I mean they are just 2K but 2K2021 yeah 2K21 is the one 2K21 2K22 will be next year. Or 22, yeah. yeah. So this one's interesting for one reason. Crisis Remastered is finally dated on PS4 after its initial delay. Those interested can pick the game up starting September 18th for $29.99 with a host of improvements, including software-based ray trace water reflections, only on the PS4 Pro and presumably Xbox One X versions of the game, so not the base model of consoles. Dang it, I can't get that on my Switch. Uh, so yeah, the game is on switch, but it does not have ray tracing. Right. I, I still don't have a switch yet. So that's actually, it's, it's got HDR support, higher texture quality. Like actually they went back because the game's got so much more overhead. They went back and made the base texture resolutions upwards of 8k, depending on what system you're playing on. So the textures are very high quality, which is good. You should at this point, the game needs that. If you're going to try and go in like a 4k resolution at this when point, that game now. goes on sale for like $10, I'll probably pick it up. Probably. I actually really like the games. I, re- I would love to see crisis two remastered as well. Uh, but crisis three, which everyone had the bow. I played a lot of PvP crisis three had bow. One. Yeah. I never got to play it, but it looked, Cool. The PvP was cool. So that's all thanks to the new Cry Engine, which is kind of cool because I like when developers are pushing something so far. Definitely a developer who's been known for pushing the line and being like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna ray trace on current gen consoles. Yeah, <laughs> which is on just a ten year old game. Weird. Uh, so I wonder how well it'll work too, since it's not going to be hardware accelerated. It's going to be software accelerated. I don't know. A lot of CPU usage, I bet. But the game is so. I shouldn't say it's closed, but for a modern day game, it's a pretty small scale in comparison. Like back when the game came out, it was massive in scale in comparison to things, and that's why Far Cry Two hitting consoles was so crazy. Yeah, because Far Cry Two was massive at a time when that was not common for games. So I don't know. That's really interesting. Uh, next thing up, though, and I don't know if you saw this. I didn't get a chance to actually. Or no, I did get a chance to check it out. What am I talking about? Um, 
Much like Lost Souls aside, uh, another Chinese developer is making waves due to the recent trailer dropped for their game Black Myth Wukong. The team is made up of ex-Tencent employees. Nope. Yeah, go screw yourself, Tencent. <laughs> under the new, under the name Game Science, and they've made a game that rests somewhere between looking like a Souls-like, but also having high action combos and stuff like Devil May Cry and God of War. So that's kind of interesting take. Uh, the game was given no release date and only hinted at releasing on, quote, mainstream consoles, end quote. So this is seemingly very similar to Lost Souls Aside in that Lost Soul Aside in the regard that it's being shown way too early. Being made by a Chinese developer. But for a real reason. It's being made by a Chinese developer, but also they've both gotten a ton of attention, and they've likely are going to be able to use that to turn into some kind of a deal. Because I don't know if you remember, Lost Soul Aside got uh, Sony backing behind it to come up, and that's like some of these other China Hero Project games that they're doing. But it does suck that for these games to get out there and be noticed and get the kind of feedback and fanfare that they do just so a big publisher will go behind it and be like, maybe we should pick this game up. It's unfortunate because you end up seeing the game years too early, but it looks really good. So it's clearly going to be a next-gen release. I would be not be surprised if this I is saw, a game that we don't see for another three years. I think I saw this one. I did yeah. three years. <clears throat> Quit being generous. Well, Lost Soul Aside is about three years old, and it's we still don't know seeming, about it. it's seemingly supposed to be coming this year or early next, uh, from what they were talking year. about earlier this it year. It ain't coming this year. I'm really... It ain't coming we're, We'll see. I'm, I'm not saying that it is, but we'll definitely see. I'm saying see. it's not, though. <laughs> The fact that they had that, it'd be different, right? They had that demo that they gave out and had people play at PSX, or not PSX, maybe it was at PSX, but then it was at another event. Um, at this point, if they would release that demo for everyone else, I'd be more inclined to believe it's coming this year. But they're not. But I don't think they are either, sadly. So, why can't demos come back? <laughs> But this next thing is pretty cool as well. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Bethesda and Arcane's Deathloop is utilizing the adaptive triggers on the DualSense in a neat way by blocking the triggers when your weapon jams, something that actually takes place before the animation plays out in-game to let players know to unjam their weapon in a physical sense instead of just visual. So when you're going to do it, it'll, it will stop your trigger and you can't use it because your gun's so, jammed. So wait, it, it happens before it does in-game, though? So like... <clears throat> When, you're, when your weapon gets jammed and you go to do it, before the animation plays out of your character realizing it's jammed, you feel it. Oh. Because like, you know, it feels in, like a weird dissonance, though, right? Like, you'll be, you'll be fighting, like, why not fire my gun? And then he'll be like, oh, yeah. I was like, but. Well, the reason, that's, that's exactly. So right now, when you have a game, right, you don't typically know that your gun won't fire until you go to try and fire. And it's not that the, anything physically stops you. It's that you have to wait for your character animation of, like, <laughs> smacking the hell out of your gun and you know messing with it but it's typically pretty quick i, mean, I just hope it's talking three seconds you know depending on the game i hope it's less than that i hope it's you pull a trigger and your brain thinks oh jam but and by that time you looked at the gun and you're like working on it yeah. like it's almost like it is i think it, i think it's more of an immersion thing and giving you that feedback before the character on screen does so well, that when it's happening you're aware of what's going well, that's on that's what i'm saying like as long as as long as it's in a very timely manner it will be very very well done for immersion. I think mechanically is what matters here because if they're giving you this information and I actually don't mind games where you have to hit a button to unjam your weapon. I don't so mind that either. If it's going to be that you feel that and before the animation even starts, you can go ahead and hit a button and start getting your character doing the stuff to unjam your weapon. Great. And again, it's just an immersion thing. And I think with what PlayStation has been talking about, and it's easy to talk, right? It's, it's harder to show and be like, hey, here's games that are actually using this technology in a cool way. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Deathloop right now seems to be exclusive to PS5 for some reason, or at least like timed exclusivity. Yeah, the marketing shows that so far. 
There's nothing saying that Deathloop won't come to Xbox Series X, and there's nothing about this feature that keeps that keeps the game from working on Series X. But if you excuse me, but if you play on PS5, you have an added feature for immersion that Xbox just doesn't get, which is cool. Yeah. So I personally like that, and my hope for this, as much as I don't think that this is actually true, my hope is that seeing a third party. Uh, publisher, definitely someone like Bethesda who have had a kind of a shaky relationship with Sony do this. It could just be Sony pushing them to be like, Hey, do something and we'll give you money along with this timed exclusivity. Um, or it could be that Bethesda is just like, this is a cool feature and we want to use it. My hope is that more developers are going to look at some of the interesting aspects of the dual sense and choose to legitimately use them, not just because someone came behind them and said, hey, we'll give you this much money if you find a way to use it, and more that they were just playing, and they're like, you know it would be really cool if we just stopped you from being able yeah. to use the gun because we had the ability it's to do cool so. It's a cool idea. I hope, I hope more things take advantage of the controller. Yeah, because it's just a shame to see stuff be so minimally used because the touchpad yeah. is just a glorified start menu for most games. Yeah. And it's not that that's not a problem because it – it relieves the need for a start button. You don't, you can give options another function if you want. Like you can, or you can give pause, actual pause, and then you can use the touchpad to go to your map or something like that. But I still to this day get thrown off every time. If there's a button that requires me to hit start or options to open the menu, I hit touchpad <laughs> because it's different every game. There's not a, there's not a universal button for that. You know what's really weird? Uh, God of War three and maybe even the other ones, but God of War three I remember being very specifically that. To pause the game on PS3, the DualShock 3, you had to, to actually pause the action. You had to hit select. If you hit start, it'd go to your upgrade menu. Weird. And I was like, I would have flipped that. I would have made yeah. it to where select goes to your upgrade menu and the start button actually gives you the pause functionality that most games utilize. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Very odd setup, but that's okay. Okay, look, we got a, two more things on here. Yeah. Uh, so this next one is kind of interesting. Despite both companies not giving a firm date or price, Sony for some reason has seen it fit to reiterate once more that PS5 will be coming this year. Now, here's the real weird thing about this. Microsoft have had the Series S leaked. Most of what is coming out is probably true, if not really close to being true. But both Sony and Microsoft both need to still get some marketing out of the way and expectations out of the way for their main consoles. But then Microsoft also still has the Series S to fully unveil before all this. You would imagine granted that the Series... Granted Granted that the Series S comes at launch. We don't yeah. know that. And it could very well likely be that the Series S comes beginning of 2021 and it's a later product yeah but right now it seems crazy to see both of these things going on and kind of have this thing in mind of like there's a whole system we only know about because of leaks and yet we still don't have price date or anything and we're three or so months away from being able to buy this box presumably at least xbox we know november we assume with playstation probably november so yeah that's what i'm banking on Here's a, here's a question that I'm curious about just out of how you feel. Mm-hmm. I remember that during the PS4 and Xbox One launch, there was this thing where not only did price clearly help PlayStation, but also coming out a week ahead gave them that extra boost of more people kind of just banking on the one that came first to be their next-gen console for a while. Yeah. Do you think that Sony is going to try and undercut... Cause, 
I guess I'm looking right now. There's a lot of things where people are saying that Microsoft is likely looking to undercut PlayStation on price. Which is crazy because it's also people are also saying the rumor is that it's going to cost six hundred dollars. Yeah, right. So regardless, the problem with rumors right now is that literally they change every day and it's kind of annoying. So outside of that, let's just look at it. So if if Microsoft literally is trying to undercut Sony on price, which is a sensible effort mm-hmm. to try and get more people in their ecosystem so they can make their money off of Game Pass because that's what it is for them. Yeah. So if they're going to take the hit there. Do you think Sony would be trying to not announce a day either so that they can undercut the, it wouldn't be an undercut, but that they can essentially supersede and be the first next gen console out? Because if the, if it's going to come down to a situation of price being potentially less, can Sony make some of that land back up by just being the system that's going to be the follow up to the, clearly the winner system right now, PS4, but also getting more people to stick with PlayStation instead of potentially bouncing off the Xbox and being like, I'm going to go ahead and throw my money in that rink and I'll buy a PS5 down the I line. Mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, <clears throat> you know How important do you think it is, I should say? Mm, the undercutting is for the cost, but I, I think don't so think the well. release date is, is... I don't think a week is, is, is really hurting or helping anybody. I thought it was weird that... I, I guess Sony and Microsoft have been so aligned that you get to start thinking like, well, these things are going to come at the same date. Is what you have like an innate feeling of, but that's clearly yeah, not true. Or really in the same week. And yeah. that, that, hasn't been the th- that hasn't been the case in, in uh, longer than a decade. Yeah, because realistically, 360 came out way before PS3. Yeah. Uh, and then they... Xbox One came out after PS4, yeah. but then also Series X came out way after... Or not the, Series X, I'm sorry. One X came out way after PS4 Pro. Pro. Yeah. It's, so everything's been shooken up lately. Um, I think it, I think there's a little importance because I can see someone who already has the money and maybe is looking at both of them and has things they like about both of them being like, well, this one comes out first, and I really want to get one day one, so I'm going to get the one that comes first. You know what Sony should do? What they know they can afford it. They just need to launch the PS5 like in two weeks, and they just need to make it like a 199. <laughs> Dude, I would love to see the look on Phil Spencer's face if Sony was like, "Yeah, it's coming out." <laughs> September like the twelfth. I was gonna say September eleventh, but I can't do that. Uh, September the twelfth, and it's gonna be one ninety nine ninety nine. What man? What would be the, like? Do, it, it'd be the. It hit two million units in the first day. <laughs> <laughs> you just know that Microsoft would be like, "Well, I didn't expect that." <laughs> yeah, like Phil Spencer would be like, "Well." I'll buy. I'll sell y'all Games Pass for a dollar. See, the thing Xbox. is, right now we know that that's not going to be the case for Xbox. Right? You could give that same "what if" for Xbox if Xbox hadn't said they're coming in November, or if you want them to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> well, realistically, Microsoft has more back end money than Sony does. They do, so they could probably float that for longer. Yeah, the Xbox division could shut down, and Microsoft would not be hurt. But honestly, dude, what we were looking at the other day—that you know, I think it was either last week or the week before—the breakdown of where they get their money from. Mm-hmm. Honestly, both companies have just as much motivation to get as many people on their platform and staying on their platform as possible. It, well, to be fair, Sony doesn't exactly have a single external side company like Microsoft does. Microsoft has Windows, and Sony doesn't have that. That's something as that lucrative. Yeah, PlayStation is their Windows. Yes, yes, the closest um, they have because like they don't have TVs as much as Samsung, LG. Um, they don't have Vio anymore. That's gone. That's not even theirs anymore. Um, they don't have, um, they have, uh, musical peripherals. They have headphones and stuff like that, but that's not as big as, as, as the console or even close to being the size of the console. Yep. So it's kind of like Sony has the console and they don't have a backup where 
Xbox is Microsoft's backup. <laughs> like it's Windows is first. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. So you have the ability for Xbox to realistically, you know, the price undercut thing makes sense. Realistically, Microsoft can afford to go, PlayStation's going to be 500, we're going to be 400. Yeah. The only thing that gets weird about that is like, in their mind, if they're ready to undercut that much, where are they trying to put the Series S at? Uh, a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know at that point. <laughs> 50 nickels. My other thing that I'm a little weird on this is is which each one's going to do, right? Because PlayStation's clear business model going forward is to have the majority of systems out there so that more people buy games on their system. I got it. You can only get the Xbox Series S if you buy the Taco Bell dinner box. I was just about to say. <laughs> you got to win it. <laughs> I was I was just about to say some shit like a Burger King. Like, yeah, like if you get a Burger King Happy Meal, you get a Series you, S. You get the Series S by buying. Uh, you don't. You don't get it, and it comes included with a remaster of Sneak King. It's a oh yeah. <laughs> it's a fifty percent chance though, so you may have to buy two fries or something. I don't know. But no, for real, it's it's interesting seeing what they're going to do because Games Pass is a clearly different business model than just wanting people to buy the game on yeah. your system and you get your revenue cut. Yeah. And I still am in this back-end area of until we'll, we'll never see it, realistically. The only way we'll know is if they suddenly shut Game Pass down, which I don't see them doing anytime soon. So my, no. my question for Games Pass right now is clearly Microsoft's putting a lot of money behind it to try and get more people on it so it becomes a viable position, potentially, right. at some date. But that, could, that date could have already hit. It could, I don't, yeah. And I don't know. For me, it's a thing of... With as aggressive as they're being as getting people onto it and offering really good day one deals for it and whatnot and putting their own games on it day one, either they're bleeding a lot of money on purpose with the intent of getting enough subscribers so that at one point it hits that mass adoption to where from now on, as long as they don't go under, I don't know what the subscriber count would need to be, but maybe if they don't go under 3 million subscribers, they'll always make enough money to justify the existence. Right now, I think they're at a million subs or something like that. And that's that's more than PS Now at the moment, at least last time that we were able to check. But PS Now is not nearly putting as much money up front to be to want to be the to leader. motivate game to motivate companies to come to them. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder which one's more sustainable. And that's just a genuine curiosity. I wonder if Sony is making money on PS Now, but they're also looking at ways to grow it without having to go over that amount to where they're spending more than right. they're making. And if Xbox is continuing to do that, or if they've already hit the point where it's profitable negative. on its own. Yeah. I don't or, know. Or the negative. Or if they're on negative still. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't think we'll ever find that out on either one of them. Because my thought process there is that if the series X is going to undercut price to get more people on it, then you're losing money there. You're, you're having multiple sources of negative income Yeah, in the hopes of getting positive income eventually. Which is possible, depending, Which is on, possible. depending on what the undercut is. If it's three, it comes out as three fifty or something. Yeah. Like, well, going back to your one ninety nine thing. That's right? why Nessie wants it. Or a lot. Yeah. <laughs> your uh, your one ninety nine situation, right? For Sony, is that realistically, depending on where the cost is going to come in on these, right? We assume that Sony's going to either sell for a very minimal loss or right up around what it costs them to make it. So let's say that that price is six hundred dollars. If they say one ninety nine, they'd be losing four hundred dollars per console. Yeah, right. That's, Two million consoles go by. That's not that much money in comparison to they were losing pretty close to three hundred dollars a console yeah. on the PS three. Yeah, but they weren't. They weren't. There wasn't thirty million <laughs> PS three sales in a week like there will be for that. Exactly. So when you look at that setup and how much games like Fortnite have shifted it to where the console actually matters more because you're just wanting that digital sale to get more money coming in. Yeah. 
honestly, man, not that I expect it. I still fully expect, realistically, my price guess for PlayStation 5 is still $500, with the digital version being either 400 and them taking a steeper cut because the cost of the disk drive is not that much, or it's going to be 450 Yeah, a $50 difference is my minimum. Like, it's like... Yeah. There, There's going to be point, no more than 100 though. At that point, yeah, it's like... <laughs> If if I can get a a disc drive just for the 4K Blu-ray player, like for fifty dollars, I'm like that's an argue there. Like I could use that, but yeah. if it's like here, it's twenty five dollars cheaper. I'm like no, I'm just gonna go ahead and get the digital ver- or the the disc version because I, I get a Blu-ray player for twenty five dollars. Well, you know, another thing that's going to end up being weird is going back to the topic of game upgrades. Some of the some of the game upgrades look at it like right now. Like one of the things that Josh said is people buying a game for cheaper and then getting more out of it on PS5. So if you buy a physical version of Watch Dogs right now on Amazon, you can get it for forty nine ninety nine, but the PS5 version is set to be fifty nine ninety nine, normal price. But you can get it for ten dollars cheaper. But if you buy it ten dollars cheaper and take advantage of that physically, not digitally, suddenly you've just kind of forced yourself into having to buy a disc drive PS5. In a sense, yeah, or. Um you just don't make dumb decisions. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm not saying that, but some people are going to buy it that way. But I wonder if anybody's going to do that, be like, "Sweet, I can save ten dollars." But their plan this entire time has been to buy a digital PlayStation Five. That's, that when does 10, that click? That ten dollars saved is a potential fifty lost. So that's still not bad. <laughs> that's still not bad odds, right? Well, there. definitely, if you do it with all the Ubisoft games coming, right? If you do it for Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, Watch Dogs, and whatever the hell else they have coming. Well, I mean, if you're a Ubisoft fan like that, you already love throwing money away. So you, you might as well. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, guys. Okay, well, what? What do you think for the community's take question? I think one of the things I wanted to kind of do you like Ubisoft games. One of the things I wanted to talk about realistically, and it's not worth talking a bunch about. It's just something that could affect Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo because they all do it as a platform holder. Is the whole iOS and technically Google, but iOS is getting the big thing right now. The Apple lawsuit that Epic has against Apple. And a lot I don't of understand that, that lawsuit either. To me, it seems like it's Apple. It makes sense. Epic violated. Apple. No, they did on so, purpose. So, so the, but why? And they, they had the lawsuit prepared before they up, put the thing in the update that violated the terms of service. They knew what they were doing. Now it's weird, but every service in the world has that. Every service has terms of a service that come from. No, no, like a every, monetary standpoint too, because that's every, what that's what this is about. You can't put that, your own currency on PlayStation. Well, you can, but you have to give them a kick of it. That's what it is. I don't think you can. Can you? Well, what it is is that you get V Bucks, right? V Bucks is Fortnite's no, no, currency. No, 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 no. This is a this is a game specific payment method, not oh, currency. I know. I, I, I know. Yeah, I said that wrong. There's nothing like that on PlayStation, yeah. Xbox, Google, anywhere. Yeah, it's you, you it's against, buy it through them. It's because yeah, it's all against their terms of services. Yeah. So again, they did this on purpose, and a lot of that comes from the fact that the reason that they wanted to do that is the fact that set a, Apple charges a thirty percent tax on anything sold. So if you paid for something in Fortnite through them, they've lost thirty percent of it. Yeah. Now, if they can get you to do it direct, they don't lose any. But here's the problem with that: <laughs> if you're going to do that against Apple, and and they did it against Google, yeah. When are you going to do it on console? When yeah. are you going to go to Sony? That's going to become hey, a, that's going to become an issue too because that's not a that's. People may think like, oh, well, Apple's charging that company. Apple's charging that company and everybody else, Google, Apple, everybody's charging that company, rightfully so. But here's the weird thing about the monopoly, and they're because trying, that's part of what comes in. They're anyway. trying to get out of it. The lawsuit claims monopoly from, from but Apple. I don't but there is how. one thing that, monopoly, that, that Apple is doing from the monopoly standpoint, and it's actually going against Microsoft, and that's that they're not allowing xCloud to be on it because it's going to, it's going to go against their iOS. I, can, I don't know what it's called, but iOS is going to have their own game streaming thing. 
I don't know what it's called. So I guess it's kind of like a definitely so, like a competitor. Like it's, it'd be like essentially it'd be like having XCloud on PlayStation or something. Yeah. So right now XCloud is going to be exclusive to Android. Okay. But that means that everybody who has an, iOS, an iPhone that Microsoft was originally hoping to be able to utilize as part of their Game Pass XCloud plan now can't now do can. it. And that means people like Blake, who really wanted to go back to an iPhone, has to either keep a phone around that's an Android to be able to use that or just give up the feature by going to an iPhone again. Like if you want one, like if that's becoming a thing in your life, let me know. I'll send you my Google pixel Two XL. But you know, that's my point is that it does create weird situations, but this also has a really high chance of being an effect on things. So where I was going there is where do you stand on the lawsuit for Epic? I don't know if that's a great one though. It's just, it's something that's been on my mind this week. Which one do you like better? Gotham <laughs> Knights or uh suicide squad? I still, I still can't believe how similar those two games They're are. They're the same game, just with different <laughs> shades of colors. Like, it's weird. It's one game doing it as all heroes and one game doing it all as villains. Same thing, though. Villains. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's a character shooter. Yeah. Also but, that, dude. They all look like they're just... What do they even call them? Um, hero shooters or whatever? Yeah. Where it's like Rainbow Six and... <laughs> not that they are, but it's just what they look like. From let's do that because because this is an interesting topic already. Because I, I, I'm actually interested in both these games, one being more than the other, which is Suicide Squad, which I wouldn't have seen coming. Yeah. So sure. which one do you, do you guys like better? The reveal for Suicide Squad or the reveal for Gotham Knights? No, it is Gotham Knights. <laughs> it's Gotham it? Knights. Yeah. I, that doesn't sound right after hearing saying Arkham Knight for so long. Uh, Weird naming choice for is. that. For that, it is. It it, it especially since it. it, it I don't understand that game, but I kind of like the play of words too because it's. I like don't because it's knights because it's, it's multiple of them, but also B- it's, Bruce Wayne is in that game, and it's the same <laughs> Bruce Wayne from Arkham Knight. But that game isn't in that universe. I don't know which one did you like better, <laughs> and don't forget if you're enjoying yourself, you can catch us every Monday on YouTube in video format at 12 noon Central Time or 10 a.m. Pacific Time. And uh, if you're in another time zone, you could do the math there. And uh, <laughs> catch us across all podcast listening services in the world. If you find us on one, or if you don't find us on one and you want us there, let us know. We'll try to get on it. And if you're enjoying our content, be sure to leave us a like or dislike, depending on how you feel. Be truthful with yourself and be constructive with that criticism. And be sure to join us all over the internet. We, You can talk to us in YouTube comments if you want to. We got our Discord in the description below. You can follow our Twitter at TriangleSQRD. Or you could join our PlayStation podcast or uh, Facebook podcast group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. And most importantly, if you really, really love us and you want to share us with your friends, that's good. But also give us money on Patreon.com slash Nartech. Like these people have. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Shout out to our new patrons, which is still Eric McAllister and then RudeDays93. But from there... We are also going to go off and give shout out to Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name's Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One, Neo, Tyler Powers, and El Tabib. Thank you so much. If you want to become a Patreon or a patron, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.